You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan. Angel Torrey. Same corner, same time. You led with the last name. He all business today. How you doing, Nick? Good? Good. So, uh, Dan asked in the pre-show what I was doing, uh, how my weekend was, and same weekend that I'll have until June. Uh, mm. Had football and had baseball. Uh, just work weekends. Mm-mm-mm. When's your, when's your slowest season, man? I know you you handle all the sports. So what's your slowest time of the year? When baseball ends, because baseball is the last sport that that'll be going. So when baseball ends, whether that's early June or late June, then I get like July. I get some time off in July where there's nothing really going. Right, right. The sweet spot. The kids, yeah. the kid, like the college kids, aren't in Gainesville, so there's nobody in town. I don't have so a lot to write about. I can drive from one side of town to the to the other side of town in Gainesville in like seven minutes. It's beautiful. Mm. It's a beautiful time in my life. Take a break from work and the kids. I love uh, it. What kids? We've acknowledged no kids. College kids. Yeah, okay. College kids. Okay. Yeah, just those kids. Right. Right. Not your kids yet. Allegedly. Dan, how you feeling, my guy? I had a great weekend, boys. Uh, big golf field weekend. Played uh, played Saturday morning. Had a great round, and then uh, the Valspar. Uh, which is a uh, which is a decent sized PGA tournament was here, so I was out there uh, yesterday with some friends and a client. All right, what's uh, a great round? The, the beautiful weather, beautiful weather here in Tampa yesterday. Let me hear what's a great round. You said a great round. What's a great round? Oh, I shot an eighty-two, which is which to me is is very very solid. Um, been getting better. Been hitting the sticks a lot more recently. Mm. Uh, drives were straight. Uh, the putting was a little off, but uh, you know, outside of that, man. Things are starting to click. I might, uh, I might have a future in this this golf thing. Not like a professional future, but in that I might, you know, keep, keep going. Playing. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. I might buy a new going. club in the next year. Yeah, yeah. I just it's bought a, a new, I just bought a new driver. Um, and so far, so good. Uh, so we'll see how it keeps going. But uh, you know, it was one of those rounds that keep you coming back. You know what it's like, Nick. I mean, you've played some golf. You know what it's like. You have those rounds that that keep you keep you around and then you have probably four or five bad rounds, but you're like, yeah, but I had that one good round. So it doesn't that's, even that's need to be a round, just a shot in a round. I'll hit right. a shot in a round and go, ha, that's the, that's the one that'll make me come back next time. Just that. Yeah, right. Like three, three straight drives for me, like is, is good for me. Like, that, like I'm getting better. <laughs> no, it was, it was fun, man. And then the Valspar was a ton of fun. It's a, it's a growing tournament that a, uh, a lot of big names this year, so they um, uh, they were in a, uh, a playoff, uh, which is which is wild. You know, it's a, it's a sudden death playoff. They made it to the second second uh, playoff hole. Uh, the guy that won, Sam Burns, I think, hit a thirty five foot putt to win. So, um, just can't Even argue with that. Idea. Yeah, dude, it was he's back to back champion now. So, uh, it's a shout out to Sam Burns. But other than that, man, it was a great weekend. Uh, it's good to be back with you boys, though. Big weekend in Gator sports too, huh? Absolutely. Um, a lot of emojis, a lot of wins. Big, big weekend. A lot uh, of hires. We, uh, so what did you do this weekend before we get into the show here? 
Uh, I did some yoga. Okay. That was fun. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Yoga. I went to a wedding last night. On a Sunday. On a Sunday. Uh, more of like a celebration. They, they, I think they, they got married. They did the courthouse thing. Then they just had a big party, uh, which was dope. Dope vibes. Hung out a little bit. Uh, in bed by 10 o'clock. 10 p.m. So chill weekend. That's usually when the weddings are just getting started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's Sunday. People got to go work <laughs> that next morning. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, very relaxed, chill weekend, man. Uh, yoga, wedding, wash activities. Can't complain. I need I need a washed weekend, man. The last couple weekends have been nuts. Nah, keep uh, the bender summer. going, man. Yeah, it's your lane. I got a lane on this show. You got a lane on this show. Speaking of benders, I was finally able to. Uh, you know, I've been talking to you boys kind of offline over the last couple of years. Been waiting to uh, to book this Hawaii trip, so finally got that all all squared away today. So um, mm. one once one Monday in September, I'll be uh, speaking six hours behind you, but. We'll still make it happen because content's got to flow. Whether you're in Hawaii, Italy, West Palm, yeah, Tampa, Gainesville. Hawaii sounds good. Never been to Hawaii. Got that on the bucket list. Where are you going in Hawaii? You doing resorts? Uh, yeah, doing um, – staying uh, in, in Maui. Uh, going to be in Maui for four days and then going to go to uh, Kauai for three or four days after that. So – uh, so it's going to be a fun trip. It's going to be, it's going to be relaxing, but we're going to, you know, mix in some, some recreational activities like, uh, some ATV There's like a catamaran thing that we're doing. So got a lot of rest and relaxation. And then, uh, we've got a lot of, uh, fun things to happen after that. So we'll share more as we get a little bit closer, but, uh, you gotta go the, hiking. You're going hiking, right? Yeah. You're going to go hiking, going to do the road to Hana, which is supposed to be awesome. So a lot of stuff on the docket, but, uh, I don't want to bore the listeners with, uh, with my trip uh, that's not a bragging moment. That's just uh, something I've been, been trying to do for a few years now. COVID got in the way. So excited to get out there. So, um, but we've got Nick, he's got to restart his computer real quick. So, um, so let's just get into the Allen Horn ad read. Uh, we've got two basketball guests coming on today uh, to talk a little bit about the Todd golden hire, which we'll break down with them. Uh, and then we got a former Gator sprinter, uh, an Olympian from the uh, Virgin Islands, EJ Levitt, coming on uh, later as well. But before we do that, as always, the title sponsor for Stadium and Gale is Alan Horn with Alan Horn Insurance. Um, he's located in Jasper, Georgia, uh, with State Farm, uh, specializes in auto home, renters, life, business, uh, insurance, and retirement planning in Georgia, Florida, Alabama, and Tennessee. I think Alan told me the other day he's got He's written policies in every state except for maybe Alabama. So, you Alabama listeners, give him a call uh, at 706-692-2888 or visit him at allenhorninsurance.com. Again, allenhorninsurance.com, 706-692-2888. Nick, are we back? We're back. We're back. Cooking with gasoline. Well, we got a couple basketball guests coming on that might interrupt this segment a little bit, but I want to talk about the big news of the weekend um, beyond the, the basketball hire, which we'll break down here in a bit. The, the Gators did announce last week that the spring game is going to be moved from the traditional Saturday of April 16th to a Thursday night, April 14th. And uh, Silk, I want to get your thoughts on that. Boo. Yeah, man, yeah, I think a Thursday is plans, horrible. huh? Yeah, man. I was I was planning on throwing a tailgate that Saturday. Uh, 
I think it was that that weekend is, is a wild weekend because it's Easter. So I could get how busy it could be. And I wouldn't even think I was just logged into like business mode and didn't even realize it was Easter weekend. Uh, but Thursday is tough, uh, especially if you got Friday, a paid holiday. If you take Thursday off, that kind of kills your Friday paid holiday. So now you got to mm-hmm. take two days off. So um, it's going to be tricky with fans wise. I get why they did it recruiting wise. Um, they could get more recruits in uh, Georgia's. Got a big day, and then people can say what they want to say, but Georgia's off a national championship right now. Mm-hmm. They're going to be on ESPN, the prime time. Uh, all, all the lights, camera action is going to be on them for Saturday. So uh, not competing with that is fine, but I think we could have planned it out a little further ahead than, than last minute changing the date like we did. And I wouldn't mind the Friday. Yeah, I thought Thursday was a, was an interesting move. Um, I like the idea of Friday a little bit more as well. Uh, but uh, – not totally in love with the idea of Thursday. I think for me and I think for a lot of people, it's just, it's hard. It's already Easter weekend, which I know is, you know, a, a tough weekend as it is in general. But I think a lot of people are going to make day trips. I think a lot of people are going to find it hard to justify to drive up to, to Gainesville on a Thursday right. uh, and then probably drive back. Um, you know, I don't know how much money, you know, people spend, you know, on hotels if there's not a lot else going on. Right. I think one of the things that's nice about, you know, playing on the weekend is, is Nick was baseball in town that weekend. No, baseball's in Nashville. Okay. So, but there maybe softball. I know that there was going to be at least some other, you know, events happening on campus that weekend. Um, So I think that that's tough, but Nick, I want to get your thoughts on uh, moving it to Thursday. Um, I kind of told you guys as we were talking about it uh, over the weekend to me, um, I kind of had to like hold my tongue when it changed. Cause I, cause I saw instant outrage and me, like, I don't, I don't care. I live in Gainesville. It's my job to be there. So like they could play it, you know, at eight 30 AM on a Tuesday and, right. and I would be there. Um, so to me, I kind of have to take a back seat and, and see what the fan base, what my readers are saying. And for the most part, I mean, I even put like a poll up and people were like, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. Um, and, and here's what it is. It's, it's a spring game. This probably isn't good. And hopefully my boss isn't listening, but the spring game is a glorified scrimmage. Like it, mm-hmm. it's just the 15th practice of spring. And I right. get, you want to come and see Napier. I was excited to go to spring practice, see Napier and what the offense is going to look like. What's Patrick Tony's defense going to look like to me though. It's you're moving. You weren't They weren't going to play it on good Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to move it to Thursday. One, uh, with I think the entire state of Florida is off of school on fr- on that Friday, Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, their hope is, okay, if if guys are going to be coming from South Florida, from Orlando, from Tampa, and they're going to be going to Georgia or Alabama or one of these drivable um, spring games, let's see, let's invite them Thursday. They can stay the night in Gainesville Thursday, use Friday to drive up to wherever they were going to go. And the idea is that they're going to get more people. Should they have? thought of this a month ago when they originally planned it and, and done that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that'd be better for the, for those people. Um, you know, maybe two months out, you can accommodate a, a Thursday schedule. Um, maybe, you know, take the kid out of school on Thursday and drive down or, or something like that and give him an extra day on, on a long weekend. Um, so for me personally, it doesn't matter. I have to be there, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but I understand the, the, uh, the fans that are upset. I, I get that. And, oh, yeah, I think, and, I, and I'm upset for our tailgate. Yeah. What you got, what you I, do we, I was just going to say, I think logistically it's, it's a challenge. I know that you are, are competing against Georgia, Miami, 
I think Tennessee's that weekend. I think there's a five SEC schools that weekend. I think to me, the biggest thing is, you know, assuming that these kids are doing things the right way and they're paying their own way, you know, driving Thursday, a night in a hotel, maybe driving somewhere Friday night in a hotel, you know, probably Saturday night in a hotel, you know, it just starts to add up. It starts to become a little bit inconvenient. Um, obviously it's the Easter holiday and Easter weekend. And no matter how, you know, religious or, or not you are, a lot of people do, you know, spend time with family and everything else. So I almost wonder if that's a little bit too much, you know, for the weekend. Um, you know, I don't have any idea how many recruits will be there or will not be there or how many would have been there or would not have been there if the game was on a Saturday. Right. So I want to, you know, hold my tongue when I say that, but I just, I do find that the timing interesting, you know, especially after for what, five, six weeks, you had it on a particular weekend, you know, people have hotels, people have flights, people, you know, right. probably planned around it. And it's just, it just seems like late notice to me. Yeah. And that's, that's my biggest gripe is the, the sudden change. That's it. Yeah. Uh, of course, we want it on a Saturday for fan for fan reasons. Um, I get why they're doing it on a Thursday, but I just think it could have been planned out from the beginning. Uh, it could have been more foresight. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Well, let's um, let's bench football uh, for a little bit. Uh, we do have Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated coming on, but before we do that. Uh, let's give some love to our friends uh, over at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code Stadium and Gale. Get 15% off of your order. Maybe you're a new St. Peter's fan. Who knows? Maybe you're a fan of one of the teams that's, you know, still in the uh, the NCAA tournament. Uh, they have gear from, you know, probably over 50 different schools right now. They did just launch that new St. Peter's gear over the weekend, uh, which is beautiful if you're a, a Peacock fan or a member of Peacock Nation now. Uh, but outside of that, visit homefieldapparel.com. Uh, about 15 different Gator items on there. Stadium and Gale promo code checkout. Uh, get 15% off of your order. But let's bring Kevin Sweeney, who is a college basketball writer for Sports Illustrated and the host of the CBB Central podcast. Kevin, we appreciate you you coming on to talk about uh, Todd Golden and, and Florida Gators basketball. Appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, well, Kevin, well, I think well, when start start with this, Dan, because I think the general the general Florida fan was who the hell is this guy? Right. Um, you know, Florida just hired a mid major football coach and uh, had hired a mid major basketball coach seven years ago that they ran out of town. Um, big big on the mid. So <laughs> so here's the the thirty thousand foot view. Who the hell is this guy? Well, he's he's young without question, um, but he is a guy that I think, if you ask people around the profession, kind of is universally lauded as as a riser. You know, a guy who will be a star. Um, he, you know, it, his background is kind of analytics driven. Um, mm -hmm. So he was an assistant. He kind of got to start at Columbia on a staff that was really loaded with Kyle Smith, who's now the head coach of Washington State, um, with. Uh, Kobe Altman, who's now the GM for the Cavaliers. He was involved with that mm. program at the time. Like there's a bunch of these guys who were all kind of together. Uh, and, and they all kind of shared this kind of like nerd ball, analytic savvy uh, mentality. And I think Todd has kind of shifted the most into becoming the biggest time head coach in that group. In that, uh, you know, Kyle Smith is at Washington State. He's kind of a, you know, he, he, he lives in a different world. Like he's a guy who's mm -hmm. going to get, you know, his, his hands dirty and, and, and have to deal with, you know, three-star recruits and kind of digging, digging himself out of holes because he's at a, at a tough job. 
Todd is built for, I think, a destination type job. He's a powerhouse recruiter. He's got tremendous energy. Uh, he's very well connected. He spent a little time in the SEC at Auburn, so he kind of knows the terrain a little bit. Um, like he, he's a guy that I think just has every, every connection and every, 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 everything you need to be really good at this, right? It's a hard, you know, it's a hard thing to walk into uh, at Florida. It's, it's certainly different waters than he's ever swam in mm-hmm. before, but I think he is the type of guy who has the, um, he, he just has the makeup of, of a star high major coach in my life. Yeah, and I think a lot of Gator fans, you know, when Mike Light, Mike White left, pardon me, you know, that they were wondering what's next. Do you go after the big name, the proven name? You know, Florida Gator basketball fans have have become a bit apathetic over the last few years, and you know, somebody that's going to drive energy and drive excitement. And I don't know if Todd Golden's name on on paper does that, but it just seems to me like reading all the articles and you know a lot of the the podcasts that I listened to since then about you know, the higher all seem to be if you follow basketball and understand basketball that, you know, if it wasn't Florida that was going to hire him, somebody, you know, big was going to probably scoop him up this uh, this year too. But I, I want to ask you, you know, you mentioned analytics and everything that we talk about uh, or that everything that's mentioned about Todd Golden is about analytics. Obviously the NBA is very analytic heavy um, and it's obviously permeated into college basketball, but are there, you know, some other comparisons of, you know, big analytical coaches that are out there that are, are doing some of the things that Todd Golden's doing. I think a lot of coaches are calling Todd Golden and trying to figure out yeah. what they should be doing. If that makes sense. You know, there's a lot of coaches that aren't willing to be as open about what they do. I mean, mm-hmm. look, one, one of the things that I'll say straight up that they do and they're open about it, that a lot of coaches will call me and say they're doing it, but they don't want to put it out there is they game the crap out of the net. Mm-hmm. Like so, so the net, you know, essentially the best way to boost your net is to blow people out, blow everyone out, blow mid-majors out, blow low majors out. Like whoever you can blow out, blow them out, beat them by 50 and keep the, keep the foot on the gas. And he, he doesn't as openly like we're doing it for the net. And he did it against Gonzaga when they're losing. He's like, let's get it to 10. Cause that was the, you know, that, that was a spread. That was the Ken Palm number. If we hit 10, if we're within 10, we're not going to get hurt in the net. We're going to stay where we are. Like it's little things like that. Like to get to the NCAA tournament in San Francisco, you have to take every single edge. You know, there's a reason no one had done it in 25 years. It's really hard. And he found every single edge you could possibly find. And a lot of that is kind of analytic driven. And, and whether you say, you know, Nate Oates talks a lot about analytics in Alabama. Maybe that's a, a comparison there. But I think, again, it's just like being open about stuff that doesn't seem ridiculous to do. It doesn't seem super math heavy. But at the end of the day, like you're just boosting your your numbers and those numbers really matter. So uh, you know, he, he's certainly open about that and trying to, trying to juice the net a little bit and, and be a little bit more three point and layup heavy, not, not taking a ton of mid range shots and you know, things like that. So, you know, I, I don't think he's reinventing the wheel. I think he's just a little bit more open and honest about how he's using these things that other people are. Talk to me about, um, I read a really interesting Ken Palm article. Um, I'm not a huge basketball guy, so some of it probably goes over my head, but, uh, a really interesting Ken Palm article about how he's using fouls and he will foul when up two or when up three late in the game. Um, and he'll foul when, when down late in the game and maybe not even late, maybe not even like what a, a general fan would consider late, but just his, his, you, cause you touched on a little bit, his analytical take on basketball when it comes to net. But then when you're on the court, it seems like he has a very numbers driven and research heavy um, style of play. Yeah, no, he's he's done some stuff. I, I think they even fouled at the end of a half, which got him a lot of 
attention? Was he fouled like heading into halftime to get a possession back because the ball was in the hands of like a weak free throw shooter? Again, I think that just goes to the we are going to find every single edge, right? And again, I don't think you can math your way to the top four of the SEC every year. Like you're 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 in some some shark infested waters. Like there are some big time dudes got their recruiting and coaching at a high level that makes it really hard to do. But like he is going to find every edge that he can possibly find to move up the standing, just like he did it at uh at, at San Francisco. And again, there you could be a little bit more like let's find an edge by fouling someone and stealing a point here, still in possession there. And I think you'll still do some of those things at Florida. But I think at the end of the day, like what's going to determine his success is whether he hires strong enough assistant coaches to go get players. If can can he, you know, navigate, you know, the recruiting waters with an Eric Musselman and a Nate Oates and a Bruce Pearl and a John Calipari. Like if he does that, he's going to be successful. If he doesn't, he's not. But, you know, I think it's it's obvious he's going to use whatever he has to do to get, you know, little edges here and there. And those edges do matter in the long run. Hey, Kevin, what's what I think one of the biggest gripes the fans had uh, with, with Mike White was style of offense. Um, just wasn't wasn't appeasing on the eyes. What, what type of offense do we, we should we expect from Golden? You know, he he likes to let his guys play. You know, his his point guards in particular. His whole tenure there, they had a kid on the ball named Jamari Bouye, uh, who is a very you know an, an NBA prospect. He will be in the mix, be a second round pick. And they put the ball in his hands and said, "Go to work in ball screens." Like they play a lot of ball screens. They space it out. They take threes. Um, you know, this year they got bigger. That was a big thing was, you know, the year that they really struggled, the COVID season, 2020, you know, their issue was they just didn't have size. They didn't have someone they could throw to in the interior. Uh, and they added that this past year. And I think we're, we're a lot more successful because of that. They were able to play through the post a little bit, but you know, they're going to, they're going to play relatively fast. You know, they're going to, they're going to space you out. They're going to put you in ball screens uh, and, and they're going to attack mismatches. I mean, that that's, that's certainly one thing I think you, you see they're kind of, like an NBA offense and that they've, they're going to have multiple guys on the floor who can create their own shot and whichever guy they think they have the mismatch with, they're going to let them go cook. And a lot of times it was Bouye, but sometimes it was Khalil Shabazz who was their off guard. Sometimes it was Gabe Stefanini who came in with them from Columbia, who was really good this year. You know, they're, they're going to, they're going to space it out and let players make plays. I think offensively. A lot of times when they, when these younger guys are hired, uh, they have a, Oh, it's hard for them to have a, a pool of guy assistants that they previously coached with. Um, how do you think he's going to do with hiring assistants? You think he'll be able to pull some good guys? I think so. I think it helps to have Florida resources behind you, right? I mean, there's a lot of people right. going to want to work want to work there. Um, Todd also has one of the biggest name agents in college basketball coaching who can connect mm-hmm. some dots. So I think that will certainly help there. Um, you know, I, I think he will want to bring – some of the flavor from San Francisco. It's not going to be his whole staff by any means, but it, I, I think there's, there's probably one guy that, that has a good chance of coming along who will be um, you know, a really good resource for him kind of from the analytics perspective at scheduling and, and things like that. But, you know, for the most part, like he's going to need some dudes who know how to navigate these waters. And it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, Pastrana is retained. It wouldn't surprise me if they can go out and get one other big name assistant coach, a guy who's been at high majors who has some, some significant juice, I think you're looking for two big time recruiters on staff. And then maybe that third spot goes to someone who's a little bit more familiar with how Todd operates. Uh, Kevin, I want to ask you a little bit about what he did at San Francisco. Now, San Francisco, former basketball powerhouse under Oscar with, with Oscar Robinson, you know, 30 years before I was born, uh, kind of went dormant for a while. Um, what was that program like before, you know, he took over and, you know, what, what's the mark that he's leaving, you know, on the university? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think really WCC wide, but San Francisco in particular, it's just like you're swimming. You're, 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 you're basically, you've got eight programs that operate one way and Gonzaga that operates another way and St. Mary's that's like the gap in the bridge of the gap in between. Mm-hmm. And so like the idea of competing and building it to an at-large caliber, I mean, it's essentially, I mean, the other eight teams like San Francisco are, are traditional kind of one bid league teams. You know, they're not, they're not built resource-wise, facilities-wise, any of that to compete for at-large bids. And, oh, by the way, they got to go against five stars every night against Gonzaga. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's not easy. And I think what what he did was bring, you know, talent and, you know, talented guys in who could come help, right? Again, Jimmy's and Joe's sometimes are greater than X's and O's, and he brought in some really good Jimmy's and Joe's in, in the backcourt to, to help out. Sorry um, to interrupt you, Alex. Or, Kevin, was that uh, via transfer portal or recruiting or both? or Both, both. Okay. So, you know, Bouye was a guy that actually was there with him. He was assistant um, under Kyle Smith. They recruited him. Uh, he was a high school player, had no Division One offers, and became the best one of the best players in program history. Their back, his backcourt mate was uh, a Division Two transfer, uh, Kalisha Baz, who became really mm-hmm. good. Uh, their front court was this year was a Duke transfer, Patrick Tepe, uh, and then a transfer from San Diego uh, within the league, Yawen Masalski, who was really, really good and became an all-league guy. So, you know, it, it was certainly portal heavy, but they did recruit some high school players. They have really good international recruiting ties, too, dating mm-hmm. back to Columbia. So I, I would not be surprised at all if we see Florida steal one or two guys from international waters this spring and summer as they try to flip this roster over. Uh, so that's something to watch as well. So he he's kind of recruited everywhere. That's he doesn't have like a recruiting footprint where he's always going to recruit California. He's going to recruit New York, whatever. Like he's going to recruit nationally. He's going to recruit transfers. And he's going to recruit internationally pretty pretty heavily. I think. I was going to say his roster looks like the United Nations. Yes. Yep. I mean they they had the uh, they they had they had a player from Ukraine and uh, two guys from Belarus, which was an interesting. Uh, well, international a, a dynamic for the last like couple of weeks, huh? Yeah, unbelievable. But uh, everybody stayed together, so all good. Um, Kevin, how would you, you rate this higher? Obviously there were some, some bigger names out there. Uh, there was Tang, you know, the assistant coach from, from Baylor that was mentioned. Um, even Scott Drew's name was flown around, uh, McMahon from Murray state. Uh, there were some bigger names that I think Gator fans were a little bit more familiar with, with, you know, Todd Golden, um, you know, getting hired very quickly. Um, you know, I think one thing that we've seen, under um, Scott Strickland, the athletic director, some, some very quick hires when the decision needs to be made. But how would you rank this hire, and, and do you think he's the right hire for Florida, or would you have gone after somebody different in your um, in your opinion? Look, I think of the mid-major names that were, were out there for mm-hmm. a place like Florida, I think Todd is the right gamble. I think he kind of fits personality-wise the place well. You call I it a gamble? He's got tremendous upside. <laughs> It's it's a gamble. I mean, hundred. Look, he's twenty three and twenty two in his career in the WCC. There's some risk Oof. involved here. Like, mm. there's, there's some real risk here. But above five hundred, he is above five. Like like he's thirty six years old. Everyone believes he's a superstar. I have a good. I, I I don't have the closest relationship with him, but I know him and like, you know, he checks every box in my mind. Like everyone knew he was going to be a riser. Everyone knew he was going to get one. And everybody knew that about Mike White too. If I was back in a horse in this cycle, I was back in Todd Gold. So I think Florida did did well in that perspective. Look, obviously, I mean, was there if there was a high major guy to go get, right? If Scott Drew was willing to listen, if any of these guys, right, that changes the conversation. But I don't mm-hmm. think Scott Drew was willing to listen. Like, I, mm-hmm. he, he, like I, I don't think there was that guy. I mean, look, the three biggest jobs that have opened the cycle are Florida, <laughs> Maryland, and, and Louisville. Louisville hired an assistant coach for the Knicks, who's never been a head coach in college. Um, 
Maryland hired a guy who's one in five all time in the NCAA tournament. And like the Seton Hall fans were ready to run out of town. And Florida hires a guy who's 23 and 22 in the WCC, right? Like they're, they're all risks. They're, they're, none of them are slam dunks. None of them are former national champions. None Level of them are risk. Kelvin Sampson's. And at the end of the day, like if, if I'm rolling the dice on one, I like Todd. I really do. I think he has a chance to be truly tremendous. Coach K's retiring. Uh, we all live in the state of Florida. Uh, many people <laughs> retire to Florida. Could that a uh, phone call? Hey, Coach. Nick, yeah. Nick, Kev, Kevin got things to do, Nick. <laughs> just, <laughs> You're wasting his time. Throwing out, just throwing out scenarios yeah. here. Yeah, they're, not, they're not retiring to Gainesville. No offense. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Kevin, what um, you know, Florida's going to have to rebuild their roster again this this off season, which will be the I think the fifth time in six years rebuilding the basically the entire starting five. Um, you know, how do you how do you envision you know Todd Golden you know doing that, and and what are some things that he looks for in in players? I, I think besides being good, yeah, you know, talent helps, right? I mean, I think look, I, I again, I think they'll be active in the portal. You know, obviously Mike White was, but I think that they'll do a good job there of bringing in guys. I think they're going to look for guys who can really create their own offense. I think it's going to be really critical for them is to bring in, you know, some high-level guys in the backcourt that can go go get their own. And, you know, again, I think their offense is so predicated on, again, they run good shit, but like they're going to they're going to want guys in there who know what they're doing, um, you know, creating for themselves. Older guys who've been around college basketball. And then I think, like I said, I think you're going to see them go to the international waters and go go into you know maybe the NBA academies and see if there's a guy out there that can help them. Um, you know, they're going to have they have connections in Europe. There could be a, a guy or two over there that could could help. There's usually are, you know, two or three guys every spring and summer that you know pop up and and every high major wants to recruit. Uh, so and I think Florida real, will be in the mix for this. Real quick, those guys over like overseas, what are they? They in high school. So a lot of them are in pro pro team are with pro teams playing for pro academies. So they basically split time between playing for a professional team, you know, in Europe and then playing for like more of like a high school kind of club type situation. Again, it's it, it very much rare. It, it's so different based, based on different guys. I mean, there are different different countries have different setups. Uh, some guys have you know, the NBA Academy. They're playing more like a high school setup. It, it's very different. But. You know, I, I think yeah, that's, that's interesting because like I don't think they allow that in the state somebody to play for high school in a pro team and no. still get recruited. So that's interesting. Yeah, no. It's Gator fans, different. Gator fans might remember the the name Nimrod Tishman from Israel. That's what that's what he was doing. Right. Uh, wasn't able to transition as well to University of Florida. Um, I guess Kevin, my my last question for you, and and I want to kind of look backwards. Here, you know, Mike White was was with UF for for seven years, had some mixed success. I mean, you know, really had a lot of success at the beginning of his tenure, and then kind of trailed off. What do you think it was that that made it not work out at, at Florida? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's hard because there's not like one thing that I sit down mm-hmm. and I say, you know what, if Mike White had done this better, they would have been the program everyone wanted to, right? I mean, you could say, oh, if he recruited more NBA players, they'd be better. Sure, I mean. That's everyone, right? I, I, I think at the end of the day, I think oftentimes the offenses weren't imaginative enough for this age. I don't think Mike had quite the recruiting pop to go against some of these SEC powerhouses the last couple of years, which I think why you saw them go so heavy into the portal. Um, I think staff turnover hurt them down the stretch, you know, losing some guys that were very important to what they did. Um and I think at the end of the day, I think Mike was still learning 
how to be an elite coach, right? I, I mean, whether he gets there or not at Georgia, we'll see. But I, I don't I don't think he was a finished product in Florida. And and again, that's the risk you're running with Todd, right? Is Todd is not a finished product either. But you know, I think it's a again, you're 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 in shark infested waters when you're in this conference. It's gonna you know, chew people up and spit them out. And I think at, at the end of the day, it just kind of chewed up Mike a little too much. And look, chew it. He you know, they chewed him up, and he still made the NCAA tournament pretty much every year. Like the the the, the bar is pretty pretty high here like there you can you can do you can do some pretty special stuff in florida if you do it right and i think todd has the potential to do it i think mike white had the potential to do it and just didn't quite get over the hump so that, that would be my uh my simplified opinion on it all you muted dan dan you muted He's, he's looking down. <laughs> man, man, oh, man. Uh, Kevin, we appreciate you uh, you coming on today, my friend. Let everybody know where they can uh, read you uh, and listen to your your podcast. Sure, man. It's uh, over at SI. It's all our work, SI.com. Most of it's all linked to my Twitter, at CBB underscore Central on Twitter, uh, and my podcast over at uh, Apple and Spotify, wherever you listen to shows. I'm also on the Field of 68 After Dark with – you guys like Jeff Goodman and Rob Doster and those guys, 11 p.m. on uh, Sirius XM every, uh, every night. So check that out as well. Appreciate it, guys. It. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for coming on, and, and we appreciate Thank your you, insight. And we'll look forward to having you on a little bit more, talk about uh, some national championships back at uh, Florida basketball. Let's hope, man. Have a good one. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Have a good one. Thank you. All right, boys. We're going from one guest into another. Uh, we've got R.J. Bowman. Uh, from 32 Analytics, man, it's an absolute pleasure to to bring you on uh, as somebody that got turned on uh, to your Ooh. analytics and the way that you pause, <laughs> pause big pause. I uh, got uh, got introduced to the way that you guys break down the game of basketball. Was excited to uh, to bring you on to the show today. So RJ, thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Super happy to be here. I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks. So if you don't know, 32analytics.com breaks down basketball uh, the way that Todd Golden, we imagine, is going to break down basketball. So I wanted to get the analytic approach because everything that we've talked about with Todd Golden has been about being innovative on the analytical front. Uh, so RJ, um, as a guy that's probably at the forefront of, forefront of basketball analytics, give us your thoughts on the, uh, the Todd Golden to UF hire. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, from an analytical perspective, uh, obviously Todd Golden has been a huge hit in college basketball. He's very, you know, analytically focused. Uh, if you look at his offenses the past couple of years, he's shown an ability to adapt to his strengths. Right? I think uh, two years ago, he was, uh, you know, very uh, three-point line focused, wanted a lot of threes, uh, switched this year to uh, the post, just because that's where his strengths were on offense. Um you look at his ability to develop talent. I mean, uh, Jamari Bouya, uh, who, you know, hit a hell of a shot this year in the tournament. Um, but he, you know, they hit, they got him in his freshman grade, according to, you know, 32 analytics, 75.03, jumped him up uh, to 83.25 by his sophomore year. He finished his college career at a whopping 88.05. I mean, that's good for 19th of the country. I think that's a hell of a testament to his ability to develop guys. And then you look at his ability to identify guys in the portal. Um, I'm going to totally mispronounce this guy's name, so apologies ahead of time. Um, but Yahed Masalski, um, he transferred from San Diego. Uh, he had a player grade of 84.66 before he transferred. Um, you know, I think that that is a heck of an eye in the transfer portal. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but Florida loses, what, six guys this year? Is that, that right? sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, attacking the transfer portal, that's going to be, 
a heck of a way for him to get Florida back up and running to uh, to where they should be. When now we we obviously are still learning about him, but what kind of player will he be looking for in in the portal? I think the portal has changed college basketball even more than college football, just because you have smaller rosters and a couple guys can can really reshape a team and offense defense. Um, what kind of guys will Todd be looking to bring to to Gainesville for his first team? Yeah, I think, you know, he's got to be concentrated on guys who can shoot. If you can't shoot, you know, you might as well not even play the game, in my opinion. Like, you have to be able to shoot, especially in a major conference basketball. Um, I look at some teams in, in the ACC and the Big East that can't shoot. They weren't competitive this year. Um, so he's got to go after shooters, and he's got to go after rebounders. If he can, you know, find those two types of players, uh, he'll have a lot of success, especially in a conference like the SEC, a lot more physical, better athletes. Um, you know, if he wants to compete with the cream of the crop there, uh, those would be um, my targets. Uh, my advice to him would go after shooters and, and offensive rebounders. What, what are what are his uh, cons? What's yeah, his I, downside? I think, you know, What's his, what are San Francisco fans gripe about him? I think, you know, um, San Francisco, you know, I'm, I'm not too in, in tap with why their fans are not right with him. I mean, he took them to their first tournament in 1998. So, uh, you know, I don't know if they would have any complaints with him. I think like, one of the downsides is that he's, you know, a little bit younger. I think he's, what, 36 years old. Um, and the coaching in the SEC is, you know, it's the best in the country. Um, you look at, you know, John Calpari, Bruce Pearl, Rick Barnes. Um, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, for him to come into a conference like that, I think that, you know, he'll have to establish himself uh, early and often. Um, and so that would be one of my, you know, kind of hesitancies, hesitancies with him. But, you know, on the other side, you if a guy is young like that, you want to know, can they coach, right? Are they experienced enough to know how to coach? And you look at, you know, some of the stats we had this year for him. We had him, uh, we had San Francisco, excuse me. Uh, with an expected win of 21, they overachieved at 22. And the West Coast Conference this year, that's pretty impressive. I mean, they got, I think, four teams in the tournament. If, um, uh, I might be a little off on that. But they, it was a competitive conference. Um, and the WCC in general is a very competitive conference for a mid-major conference. Um, you look at, again, the ability to adapt to the roster, which I kind of touched on earlier, uh, where are their strengths at? Uh, obviously, a year ago, it was from the three-point line. This year, is a little more paint-focused. Um, and then the past two years, they were one of three WCC schools to be top 100 in both offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency. That's a testament to his coaching at such a young age. So I get he's young, but the guy can clearly coach. What, what do some of those numbers mean for, for kind of the layman? Um, when you talk about basketball efficiency, is it, is it number of trips? Is it number of points per trip or, or how does that break down? Yeah, sorry about that. Um, so you're you're with with adjusted offense and defense. You are eliminating. Um, you're eliminating. No, you're you're taking into account possessions per game, right? So mm -hmm. you want to get an idea of how they're performing in line with the possessions they're uh, taking per game. So obviously, like with a guy with um, a team that plays more up tempo, they're going to have more possessions per game. But you want to create an equal playing field for a team like, um, you know, Virginia or Wisconsin that like to slow the game down. So you want to almost take away the the uh, amount of 
possessions they get and just look at the efficiency there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So Florida's going to have to rebuild a roster, um, rebuild a pretty apathetic fan base. Is, is Todd Golden, you know, obviously only had three years at, at University of San Francisco, you know, had a, yep. had a decent year, had a down year, and then obviously this year they made the tournament. Is he a guy that you think can turn it around pretty quickly? Is he more of a, a builder or, you know, what, what can Florida fans kind of expect out of, you know, Todd Golden's, you know, first year or two? Yeah, no, I think that he's a guy that can get it going, uh, you know, pretty quickly. I think, you know, especially – and the landscape of college basketball with the transfer portal. Um, you know, guys on penalized are sitting out a year. Uh, he should be looking to rebuild it as quickly as possible through there. Um, and then, you know, I kind of touched on it earlier. He can clearly develop talent um, at a pretty good clip too. So, you know, he should be able to get those guys and then and develop them, um, you know, to a pretty competitive team. Um, and, you know, he's young. Like if we look across the, the landscape of college basketball, younger coaches, they tend to kind of, um, you know, get fan bases excited. They're out there working. They're in the community. They're engaging with, with everyone. Um, you know, that's what, that's what I would expect from him. I, I think he's probably still going to get ID'd when he tries to go to balls for the first time. Nick, what do you think? <laughs> well, no one should go. Sure. No one should go there. Uh, but I think, yeah, uh, unless he can, unless he can start growing some peach fuzz, I think maybe uh, he might get, he might get ID'd. RJ, um, can you grow a beard, RJ? Has anybody ever seen him with a stash? <laughs> I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe he will now that he's down in Gainesville. <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask you guys. You guys take a, a pretty analytical look at basketball. Um, I read yeah. a Ken Palm article, and it was about his uh, strategy with fouling, and, and it seemed almost um, up up three points. You know, hey, foul! If, if, if the ball's in a bad foul shooter's hands, even though we're up, foul him. Um, right? How 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 is he kind of? I guess it's a, a new wave of basketball, looking at the numbers and and, and using analytics to to shape the way you're coaching a game. How does Todd Golden use analytics in your estimation? Um, and then tell Gator fans about this fouling. Cause I don't think it's something that we've seen, you know, in the last two coaches with Billy Donovan and then with Mike white. Um, so I think there's going to be some, some head scratching when, when Florida's, you know, fouling before half. Yeah, no, it's very unique. Um, but so he's, he's very analytical uh, to answer your first question. Uh, very analytically minded. I think uh, I was reading an article earlier this year, um, on him and uh, forgive me, I forget who wrote it, uh, but he's got a staff guru on his staff that, you know, is, is, he, he uses a lot and he goes to a lot. Um, his approach to basketball is very analytically minded. Um, and like you said, an example of this would be fouling up three and four half. So the idea there is that he um, looks at the total expected points. So, um, you know, if there's a player that, you know, well, if let's say for instance, Florida's up three, four half, the opposing team inbounds to a player who doesn't have a great free throw shooting percentage, right? Let's say they're shooting 50% from the field. Florida fouls him. He goes to the line. That's an expected one point per possession. If uh, Florida is averaging more than one point per possession on that game or during that game, or even on the year, He's going to go, okay, well, you know, I'm averaging more than one point possession. The opponent is going to, you know, he's expected to hit at one point per possession on this, you know, on this uh, possession here, excuse me. That's a win for me because I'm going to score more than my opponent. 
So they might be up three, four, half, foul them, and they could go up, you know, five or six if they hit it. If they hit a two or three, the guy misses, you know, the front end of a one and one there. Um, so that's that he's trying almost to steal points before halftime before doing that. Sure. And, you know, that, you be that's smart a great about, explanation for me, for someone like me. Uh, you made me understand. <laughs> Thank you. Here's my thing, yeah, guys. Yeah, like, say he does that whole scenario, right? And we lose because of it. Is he prepared for like like SEC media as well? Like how media savvy is he? Uh, nobody's ready for uh, nobody's ready for SEC media. At thirty six without a follicle of hair on your face. I mean that's the thing. I think I don't think our basketball culture like I don't think we're that bad to be honest with you. Uh, I just think we want a, a nice product and to make the tournament uh, consistently. Yeah, um, not, not that bad. That's a good start, Nick. That's a good start. You know what I'm saying? Billy built something here. Uh, love yourself. He did. He did. But if 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 like if he does this these little numbers analytics stuff and 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 he struggles early, right? Because he's gonna go through some lumps. He's a young guy. He's going against some some of the best coaches in the country. So in my opinion, he's gonna take some early lumps. Um, how mm-hmm. how media savvy is he? Yeah, you know, I've, I haven't watched many of his pressers this year. I think, uh, you know, his pressers in the NCAA tournament were good. Uh, it seems like he's very um, open with the media. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, what we were talking about earlier, the SEC media is a little bit different than the WCC media, especially even in, in San Francisco, where they might be focused a little bit more on the Warriors out there or a few of the other pro teams. Um, in Gainesville, you guys, you know, Florida's the top dog. Um not to use the Georgia reference. Sorry about that. No, it's all right, <laughs> um, man. They got, but, they got um, that white. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, but uh, I think that, you know, he's he, – I think the fact – again, I go back to this. I keep going back to this. He's young. He should be able to handle the media. Um, he's got, what, three years under his belt as a head coach. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that – he's – He's been around it a little bit. You know, I, I don't want to say he's seen everything because, again, like we said, the SEC media is a little bit different. Um, but if some of that analytical stuff goes wrong, that's kind of who he is and what his identity is. He's going to live and die by it, whether or not the media likes it or not. That's made him, you know, it's made San Francisco very successful. Brought them oh, to their God. first NCAA tournament since 98. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, the media tries to apply some pressure on him there. I, I wouldn't really anticipate many changes that's that's who he is you know that um that's pro- especially at that age that's probably like hey you're going to a big job um you've got to stick with what got you there um and if that's analytics and and going hack a shack at halftime then hey listen it, it got me the job i'm 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 gonna do uh what got me here yeah yeah exactly he, he's gonna hey, be and us fans are going to do our job as well, uh, RJ. Bro, you guys are hell. Y'all are hell. Everybody, everybody oh, got a job here to do. You know it. <laughs> Everyone's got a job. Everybody got a job. Seven o'clock at 8.45. Yeah, here for work right. early on Monday. He's here for work. Right, right after the loss happens, so, so clocks yeah, in. Yeah, he's, he's ready to go. Get that fouling shit out of here. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> RJ, I've got a I've got a question. Um, obviously analytic driven, but what what is his offensive style? Um, you know, Florida really lived and died by the three for the last few years. Um, you know, if they were hitting, you know, there's a pretty good chance if they they were going to win. Um, but it just seemed like you know if if they weren't, you know, they didn't really have any options. Uh, what can you expect? You know, outside of the analytic piece of it, you know, kind of the offense that Todd Golden's going to run. Is he, you know 
a bigger three-point shooter type of coach or is he, you know, more getting the ball in the paint or, or, or what can we expect there? Yeah. Uh, I, I think I got to touch on it a bit earlier. He's, he adapts to his roster. Um, mm. You know, uh, two years ago, he was second in the country in threes attempted. Um, this year, he's a lot more paint driven, um, wants to be more efficient in the paint. I know that he runs uh, four guards and one post player, at least he did this year. Um, so where his roster strengths are, are is going to be where that offense is driven through. If it's guard focused, you can probably expect some more threes. If he gets, mm-hmm. you know, some big guys in the transfer portal, um, you know, if he recruits big, then he's probably going to go try and play through those guys, you know, um, really based upon where his strengths are. And I know this isn't as much your lane, but I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, recruiting and, you know, his ability um, there. Do you see him as a type of coach that that can really develop? I mean, you know, Florida's really relied heavily on the transfer portal. A lot of schools have, obviously, you know, with the not being, you know, not being forced to sit out of your is yeah. he the, the kind of coach that you think is going to be able to to walk into to high schools and, you know, recruit some of the top players in the country? Or do you see a kind of a pattern where he goes and, and figures out where his needs are and goes to the portal, a mixture of both? What kind of strategy do you think he, you know, employs there? Yeah. So, you know, from what I've seen and what I've read about him is he's going to look at his team, uh, address what needs, you know, need to be filled. And I think last year he attacked those needs through the portal. Um, you know, I could see him hiring a good staff, though. Um, you know, I think he's, that's going to be crucial is the staff that he's going to hire. Um, and, you know, those guys get him into gyms around, you know, Florida and, and SEC country. And he tries to keep some of that local and regional talent home uh, from high schools. Um, from what I know about him and everything I've read about him is that he does look to address his needs to the portal I, I think he brought mm-hmm. in three transfers this year uh to san francisco um but those were where his needs are um you know if that that could change at florida you know it's not necessarily we did this one way at this school so we're going to do it this way in the future you know mm-hmm. um kind of look for him to address his needs where where he sees fit yeah and not to dominate the conversation i have a, a question you know florida has um you know assistant coach um Pastrana, Eric Pastrana, that's a, a very well-known recruiter, uh, came to Florida from Oklahoma State, uh, originally from Florida. Um, you have Perkins, who is the uh, assistant or is the head acting head coach right now. Do you see a situation where Todd Golden tries to keep either one of those guys, or would you put a preference on one, or do you think he's going to go elsewhere to try to fill those gaps and needs? Yeah, you know, I could see, I could see where he he keeps one, um, especially to keep. I think that they've got. Um, pretty decent recruiting class coming in the next year if uh if i'm not mistaken so i could see where you know you'd, you'd want to keep uh one of those guys um whoever the the dominant recruiter was uh, on some of those guys would be probably my guess um and then you would look to fill the other um you know staff bots with you know maybe a, a transfer specialist maybe another recruiter maybe more of an x and o's guy again it kind of depends on, on um what he sees best there and is there anything that he's going to be looking for in an assistant coach, a certain kind of basketball? I mean, do you think he goes for, you know, the more analytic mindset or do you think he just leads from the front on the analytics and then tries to fill in, you know, the gaps where maybe, you know, some of his, uh, you know, weaknesses are? Yeah, I would guess. So I, I think uh, his director of operations uh, may be incorrect on that, um, but I think his director of operations at San Francisco was uh, kind of the analytical guru there. Um 
but I would look for him to, you know, keep him with him uh, and get his analytics, uh, you know, from, from him. And then if I were him, I would uh, look into hiring, you know, somebody with former head coaching experience because Florida is a bigger job than San Francisco, right? Uh, SEC, you guys, you know, we're just talking about SEC media. Um, so to help him navigate that, uh, especially for how young he is, um, that's, that would be something that I would look for. Cool. Nick, Corey, anything else? No, I'm Gucci. Awesome. Well, well, RJ, I want to give you the chance to, to pump the tires of, of 32 analytics and um, let everybody know what you guys do and, and where they can find and, you know, subscribe to y'all's information. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, again, appreciate you guys having me on, had fun talking Florida basketball on here. Uh, but you know, you can find us at 32 analytics.com. Uh, we look to provide a little bit more information, kind of a deeper dive into player and team performance. Uh, we've created a few stats, which, uh, you know, I think our most exciting one is our player grades. Um, it's almost like, you know, how I like to explain it to people that might not be as analytically minded. It's like a 2K rating for, uh, mm-hmm. for you know, the guys out there for, for our um, college basketball players. I and mean, we do NBA stuff as well. So if you're an NBA fan, check it out. Um, but, yeah, you know, really appreciate you guys. Uh, again, you can find us at 32analytics.com. Please subscribe. Helps us continue to do what yeah. we do. So thank Perfect. you. I love it. Like a little bit more like a pro football focus for college basketball and the NBA. Very similar. Very similar. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, RJ, man, it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, Let everybody know where they can find you on social media as well. Yeah, you can follow me at at RJ Bowman. um, And and our handle is uh, 32 analytics. So um, please check us out. Oh, uh, I just want to note real quick. Our our URL is 32 spelled out. So we do get a lot of questions there. Um, Okay. But appreciate it, guys. Perfect. RJ, thank thanks, you so RJ. much, my friend. Yep. Thanks. Bye. We'll talk to you soon. RJ Bowman, 32 analytics. Um, boys, we did, we didn't get the chance to talk about it. Um, but what, what are your all y'all's thoughts on the hire? I know you're able to, to kind of you know, sprinkle those in with, with your questions, but um, Silk, I want to start with you. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm optimistic. Um, I try to lean towards the positive things I heard uh like, like, just like both guys said, up-and-comer, popular guy that was uh, a riser, all of that stuff. Uh, I do like analytical dudes. I'm into all that, analytics in sports. Uh, but I do think you need a, a healthy balance of of uh, locker room guys that, that, that kind of get the culture of basketball and not just a numbers thing, too. So um, I'm not mad at the hire. I think it has some potential. I think he's going to take his long. So this is a hire we got to be patient with. Uh, I'm not looking for any immediate success with this, so I'm being realistic with it. I'm not going in thinking this guy is just going to turn Mike White's uh, trajectory around, I would say. So uh, just kind of wait and see mode. We'll see what he does. But I'm, I'm optimistic about it. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, – I didn't know why Florida fans were, like, shocked that they went with, like, a young guy. Um Billy Donovan was 31 when he was hired. Uh, Mike White was right. what, what, what did you say last last time, Dan? Like 36, 37 when he was hired. Um, that's that's kind of the way Florida's gone with with their basketball coaches. And, and sometimes you're going to hit. I mean, Billy Donovan. That's like uh, that's like you know calling out the number on the roulette table, and you didn't get, mm-hmm. you didn't get, just get the color right. You got the color and the number right. Um, yeah, that's in a double zero, right? Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We were in Vegas and we uh, were just walking by and my buddy puts 
I think like $25 down on a roulette table, just like red or black, and it hit zero. He had never played roulette before. I'm like, oh, that's the odds of that happening are really poor. And uh, at the casino we were at, they had a zero, a double zero, and I think a triple zero. So that makes the odds even worse for, mm-hmm. for the whole table. But we watched zero and double zero hit three rolls in a row. And I was like, hey, man, just stop putting money on that table. You need to leave. You got to get out cursed. of here. Yeah. Uh, the table, table is cursed. Um, yeah, that's the casino getting their money back. <laughs> <laughs> they got all their money back. Um, but yeah, to me, I, I always knew it was going to be someone. That's why when we talked to Eric, you kind of start bringing up, you know, the names he's bringing up. It wasn't like, hey, you're going to get Coach Calipari to leave Kentucky because uh, he thinks their mm-hmm. expectations have gone wild. Um, you were going to look for an up-and-comer. And, and to be honest, the first time I heard about Todd Golden was uh, sitting there watching him play Murray State. And that was an incredible yeah. game, San Francisco and Murray State. And, and I was texting Eric throughout the game. Um, and I was like, does the winner of this game get the Florida job? And uh, it turned out the very next day was when Todd Golden, you know, uh, was rumored and then announced. So mm-hmm. uh, apparently, it turns out the winner did not get the Florida job. The loser of that game did. But um, Were I you surprised was, how quickly it came out? Yeah, yeah. I was definitely surprised how quickly it came out. Um, and it, 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 maybe maybe I shouldn't have been because if you look at Scott Strickland, he's he's moved quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Moved quick on Billy. Moved quick on Mullen. Um, he's, he he wants to get somebody in, into the job. So I, I think that was you know a quick move. And uh, I'm like Silk. I'm, I'm not going to judge a hire on day one. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's a home run hire. Todd Golden's going to speak to the media on Wednesday. It, I'm sure it's going to be um, a slam dunk home run uh, of a opening press conference because it's, it's really hard to, you know, to jack those things up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's a hire. You probably aren't going to be able to get a great, you know, grade on to three, four years in. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of notes there. Uh, Billy Donovan was involved uh, in the search committee. Um, you know, how many hours he, he contributed, I don't know, but I do know that he was, you know, involved with that uh, decision-making process. I know that he, uh, he signed off on the Todd Golden hire um, and the, uh, the guys, uh, Neil and Eric, who you just mentioned from the, the Florida Basketball Hour podcast, also mentioned that the Gators might have made a run at, uh, at uh, Tony Bennett, the head coach of the University of Virginia, um, got a, uh, gave uh, Scott Strickland a counteroffer uh, that they did not uh, accept as our understanding uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about a 10-year contract. So um, Todd Golden, uh, another Todd G coming back to town. So He's, yes. he's already fighting an uphill battle, uh, but um, Todd but, uh, G. Golden, all that name don't work in Florida. But. Yeah, what's, what's <laughs> Todd Golden? First question. First question at the Wednesday press conference. Um, do you guys like to press? And what is your third down defense strategy, Coach? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> what? I need some. I need some answers. There. How complicated yeah. is your defense to run? Right. Yeah, that should be the first. Gator fans will understand completely. Uh, his opening press conference. My understanding, Nick, is on Wednesday. Correct. Wednesday, yes. So he was on ESPN. Um, he also did a phone call with the media, I believe, on Sunday uh, or Saturday. Um, so you know, Gator Media has heard from him. Um, you know, certainly a, a wait and see. Uh, again, a, a guy that I had not heard of. I've been doing some freelance writing for FloridaBet.com, uh, uh, and they uh, tasked me with um, writing an article about some odds. And Todd Golden's name was on there at plus 1,200. And I'll be honest with you, that's the first time I'd ever heard his name. Uh, you know, but certainly reading into him, you, you, you see the excitement. You see what Scott Strickland might see in him uh, as well. But certainly a, uh, a name that Gator fans uh, probably thought came out of left field. So we will 
wait and see. Uh, you know, again, we said this about Dan Mullen, you know, during the end of last season is you can't let the idea that the next guy is not going to be better than the last guy uh, cloud your judgment um, either. So Mike White to Georgia, Todd Golden from the real USF, as we'll call them, uh, over to, uh, to the University of Florida. Um, so welcome to, to Gator Nation, Todd Golden. I'm sure we'll have a, a lot more to talk about that. Um, we've got uh, former Florida Gator sprinter EJ Lovett coming on soon. Uh, but Nick, I do, before he uh, joins the show, want to talk to you about your, uh, your baseball weekend. And, and the Gators won two out of three uh, against Alabama. But uh, give us a lay of the land for, uh, for baseball this past week. Yeah, um, unfortunate for the baseball team. Um, got rained out with FSU. That's going to be a top 10 match at the Florida Bar Ballpark. That game gets rescheduled for uh, May 17th, if I'm correct. Um, that sounds right. And uh, you go on the road to face Alabama. Alabama struggling a little bit to begin with. Um, they lost two out of three to a really good Texas team. Um, and, uh, and, and then don't really have the pitching that I think will carry them through a very difficult SEC West. So Florida takes advantage of that hits 10 home runs, um, on the weekend, just murdering the baseball, um, get a really good start from Hunter Barco on Friday. He's starting to become, you know, that Brady singer, Alex Fayeto, Logan Shore type, where you know exactly what you're going to get from him every Friday and, and you start the weekend off. Right. Um, the problem with Florida uh, is, you know, then Brandon Sproke goes in and he's just okay. Um, mm -hmm. Not not great, not very good, just okay. Um, on Saturday, you get some good bullpen innings um, from, from guys there. Uh, and then Sunday. Sunday is going to be a big issue for Florida until they can figure out who can start. And Florida is still having bullpen issues. So the offense is fantastic. They're hitting the cover off the baseball. You're getting – Great starts from your Friday night guy. You don't feel bad about Brandon Sprout yet on Saturday, so you're still okay there. Um, but at the end of games right now, it's just a coin toss. Um, and, and Florida really had a chance to sweep Alabama. You end up getting walked off on. Um, when it comes down to it, like I'm not trying to hide. There are glaring issues. Florida needs to find an answer at the end of games in the bullpen. They need to find a reliable third starter to pitch on Sundays. Um, but if you win two out of three every weekend in the SEC, that's 20 games. You're going to go 20 and 10, and that that's going to get you most likely a regular season SEC championship and make you a super regional host as one of the top eight seeds. So you did what you what you needed to do. Uh, I think the frustration from fans comes with, well, it's the same stuff we're seeing every Sunday of every weekend, and you had a chance to take three. Mm -hmm. um, on the road. So winning two out of three on the road is, is great, but Florida was three outs away from, from a SEC season opening sweep on the road, which is very impressive. So that's where the frustration comes from. Um, Florida is going to be really good. They're still playing really good defense that, that again, uh, didn't happen Sunday uh, errors cost them some runs Sunday. Um, so I still feel really good about Florida. Um, I, I need to see Nick Pogue and Tyler Nesbitt pitch, uh, tomorrow or as today, as you're listening to this, Florida host Bethune Cookman um, at Florida Ballpark. I need to see those two guys because when you're coming back from Tommy John surgery, that first start, you're, you're limited to 30, 35 pitches. Mm -hmm. Each subsequent start, you get an extra 15. So um, if you're, if I'm talking about needing to find a third starter on Sunday, it's one of those two guys. Mm -hmm. um, so I need to see them pitch 
tomorrow so that the next time they, we see him, they can, they can, you know, start getting into some starter, um, some starter pitch counts. All right. Perfect. I'm just looking up some stats right now. Um, You're, my boy, Wyatt Langford, the pride of Trenton, Florida. Um, absolutely crushing the baseball. Let me put right. my story up today. He is leading Florida in every single, um, all the slashing stats. So slash mm -hmm. is your batting average, your slugging percentage, your on base percentage. Um, he is slashing five or last in the last three games last week, he was, he was slashing 500, 533, one, and then 1.214. Uh, he mm. had three home runs, a double 17 Jeez. total bases, seven runs, mm. six RBIs and two steals against Alabama. Mm. Um, he's leading Florida in hits, which 30 total bases and 59 runs, 22 steals four. This is one of the nicest kids and the best teammates. He came mm. to Florida last year as a catcher. Um, and because Matt Cassetti was there and because Nathan Hickey was there, they didn't have a place for him. So he caught bullpens. And the first time we talked to him, I joked with him. I said, how many innings do you think you caught in the bullpen last year? And he very plainly just goes all of them. <laughs> and, and, uh, they just realized, Hey, we have a spot open in the outfield. We have three catchers. Can you make a move to left field? He said, yeah. And he's been crushing baseballs ever since. So uh, playing a good left field too, playing a damn good left field. So um, he's uh, I think we're the only player for Florida that has started and no, no, I think Judd has as well, but one of the, one of the few players who has started all 20 games this year. All right. And then I know Judd Fabian's hitting the ball well uh, as well. Um, so as long as the Gators can get their pitching figured out uh, who knows, but it does seem like, um, things are going pretty well uh, with an opportunity to improve. So, And you'll get LSU uh, this weekend at Florida Ballpark. So four games all at home this week. Uh, Bethune-Cookman, shout out to Daytona um, and uh, at LSU. LSU coming in, I think they're ranked like 22nd, 23rd uh, in, on D1 Baseball. And um, their coach was asked about who will start against Florida. Uh, and he said – TBD, TBD, TBD. So I think we'll see uh, some some of the football hijinks between uh, Florida and LSU make their way onto the baseball diamond. And I think you'll see Florida uh, match up with TBD, 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 even though it's going to be Hunter Barco, Brandon Sprout, and then an actual TBD. Yeah. Well, Silk, if, if the Gators beat Bethune-Cookman this weekend, you'll have to, or, uh, tonight, you'll have to give CJ that smoke on, uh, on Wednesday on the roll-up. Yeah, you already know I'm gonna do it, man. Got to. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, we got we got EJ Levitt uh, sitting in our waiting room right now. But before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Game Time Sidekicks. If you are looking for the best cupware uh, that can be customized, or for I know about 350 different schools, go check out GameTimeSidekicks.com. Use promo code Stadium and get 10% off of your order. I'm not gonna lie, all of my uh, stainless steel drinkware is all Game Time Sidekicks products right now. So best in the business right now. Visit them, GameTimeSidekicks.com. And with that, we welcome former Florida Gator hurdler and 2016 Olympian EJ Love to the show. EJ, how are you doing, my friend? And 561 finest, man. Oh, yeah, you already know. You already <laughs> yeah, man. Let me know what's up. Know. Oh, man. South Florida you know, vibes right. for this segment. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, EJ, man, I uh, know you're originally from Miami, went to uh, Palm Beach Lakes 
uh, high school uh, and then ran uh, hurdles uh, at the University of Florida. Tell us a little bit about your experience and how you ended up at uh, at Florida. Man, um, it, it, it's it's really um, it's really it's really a cool story. Uh, so, so um, track was never track was never a sport that I wanted to do. You know, I was all, I was all, I started off playing baseball. My dad played baseball. He was a major league baseball player. Played catcher for uh for the Saint Saint Saint. I mean, no, no. What was the minor league team? Savannah Cardinals. I'm sorry. Savannah Cardinals got acquired by St. Louis 91-92, around the time I was born. So um, I grew up. I grew up as a catcher, and so traditionally I just switched to playing quarterback football. Um, but obviously I was fast. I had skills, and so um. My oldest sister, her dad is actually Aubrey Hill, receiver. Oh. Yeah, so Aubrey, yeah, Aubrey, I knew, uh, you know, I've I've known Aubrey my whole life. So, um, and I mean, like, my, my sister's only a year older than me, so I knew Aubrey my whole life. But at the time, Aubrey was at New York University of Miami. Obviously, me being a Miami boy growing up in Karen City, the U is where I wanted to go, you know. And there was a lot of guys that, you know, that were multi-talented that, you know, went through the University of Florida and eventually, you know, went on to go play football. So, uh, yeah, uh, I was I was talking to Aubrey. Um, it was it was around like later on, maybe like maybe like my 10th, 10th grade year, about like my 10th grade year. I was talking to him and then he was like, hey, I think you should run track here to get you faster. And I, I really wasn't feeling it, to be honest. I, I didn't like the training. Um, the first time I ever tried track in my life, I was maybe about six years old and like, I was really skinny when I was smaller. So, you know, that just had me like running laps and I'm like, listen, like this, this running around two, three laps. It's not, it's not for this, me. Like, this for the birds, man. I'm not trying to do this. Yeah. I just had yeah, a conversation was, with my son, like, like an hour ago, man. Yeah. It, it just, track it just, sucks. you know, yeah, it just wasn't for me. I mean, even now training definitely hurts, uh, even in shorter distances or and over hurdles. But um, so yeah, like um, so I got a proposition with that. Obviously, I wanted to be better at football, so I decided to go do that. So the first time I ever tried track uh was two days, and I was about six. I quit. The second time I ever tried track, it was only a day, and like the high school coach, he was like, "Oh, y'all football players, y'all ain't in shape, blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Listen, man, I'm just be real with you. I ain't no track athlete. I'm a football player." So. Ironically, what ends up happening is my high school track coach, he has a situation, uh, he has some personal stuff that he has to deal with, and now the football coach ends up running the track team. So now it's like, hey, everybody who's playing football, you got to run track in the spring. So I'm like, oh, oh man. So man. They, they got you. Kind of, it kind of was like, you know, it was, I guess it was made to be. So I actually, you know, I was just out there just BSing, just doing whatever, you know, doing whatever we do. And um, I actually started off as a as a jumper. I was just playing around and my coach, my coach was like, oh, okay, like you want to play. You, you now, now you're a long jumper. Now you're a long jumper, triple jumper. So um, I, I did that. Didn't really have any phases. I just ran and jumped. I was just being athletic. And um, so one day um, Coach Groover, he was just, um, he was just like, hey, like I want you to come here, and he had the hurdles set up for like a one-step drill, and he was like, I just want you to go over the hurdles like as fast as you can, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, how, you know, like, cause I and and I up until that point, I I never seen a hurdle race. I don't even know what I I, I don't know 
I never seen a hurdle race. I never seen an Olympic race. You know, I seen a hundred. I seen a two hundred. I just never seen a, a hurdle race. So I, I just you're like I'm out. I'm out here just to be fast and fan for football. And now you're putting stuff in front of me. And how am I <laughs> right, supposed to be right. fast? And you're putting all this stuff. Right. So right. nice so, for this. Right. And so like for, for me, it was something that I, I just, it, you know, I like to challenge myself. So pretty much I was just like, all right, bet. Like, you know, we'll, we'll try it out. And, um, and, and like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but I like kind of, I fell, actually like fell. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, I bet you I won't ever fall again. And like from there, it just kind of like, it just, we, you know, we tried it more and more. And it was to the point where we was doing some practices and then we ended up going to um, Cardinal Newman. So the, our coach was um, – our football coach was Alonzo Jefferson. He actually was a graduate from Cardinal Newman High School, went on to play at Notre Dame. So that was our football coach at the time. Um, and, like, just – I just kind of, like, fell in love with it. You know, it was, it, was, it was like a way to challenge myself. I was already faster than most people on the track team, even though I didn't run track. Um but like the hurdles, it just it was a challenge. I, I like to challenge myself, and and so um, I honestly some practices, you know, the hurdles would still be out there. So like after practice, I would just stay. Practice would be done at like four. I would like stay till like six o'clock and just like run over them, like just just haul tail and run over, run over them. And um, from there, I got in contact with a track coach, um, Mark German. um, and he had like a, a summer summer league, and I ended up doing like AAU. And USATF, we made it in the four by one to what? Uh, in Des Moines at USATF. No, no, I'm sorry. We made it in a four by one at, at no at Des Moines and USATF and AAU Nationals. We ended up getting fourth AAU Nationals on the four by one, and I was the I think I think I was the first leg. Yeah, and um, from there I saw, and I didn't make it in the hurdles obviously because I was trash. <laughs> <laughs> I was not, I was not good at all. I didn't make it in the hurdles, but I saw um Wayne. I actually saw Wayne Davis. So Wayne Davis is is maybe a year, a year and a half, maybe two older than me. So he was in a, a different um age group. I saw him run, and you know I'm just like, okay, like I feel like I feel like I could do that. Like I feel like I can do that. And then like from there, I, I just I just kind of felt like track was just my track was just something like a, a challenge. You know, and the biggest thing, the, the biggest reward, the biggest thing from track that I got was just the fact that, you know, me me playing quarterback, all, you had to rely on everybody being in the right place at the right time. It's a lot going on. I'm a left-handed quarterback. I don't throw the ball traditionally because I have a baseball background. Nobody cared about that. I was also fast, so nobody nobody wanted to know if I could sit in the pocket. <laughs> uh, they just would make me run. We would do wildcats, all of that. All you know, football is very, very systematic. So a lot of those things come into play. Um, track was the first thing that I was able to do and get a direct reward from exactly what I did, um, and I just kind of just I just kind of like stuck with it. Stuck with it. Went to a meet. Um, went to a relay meet. My mom was able to come. It was the first meet that she ever that she ever saw me run. I, I ran under 13, and I went mm -hmm. back and told my coach. I was like, um, I ran like 13, like 89 or something like that. And I was like, I was like, I can run faster. I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't running full speed. I, I could run faster. And so, um, yeah, like I just just kept kept going, kept going. And now my junior year, I ended up winning state, but it was like mm -hmm. 14 seconds. I ran like 14:01. 
but this is going into my senior this is going into my this is my senior year you know after my football injury um after my football injury my senior year, I broke my right humerus going out for a catch uh quarterback threw the ball short I split the safeties he threw it short I had to come back down safety killed me pretty much um yeah so just had to put everything on track and just really just just stayed focused on it was doing everything that I could and yeah from that from that meet yeah, I tell my coach, I'm like, man, I can run faster. Like, I don't – and even, like, with the hurdles, with the cut step in between, I just pretend like I'm route running. That's that's all I do. So, the same way a football player drops their hips and they – like, that, mm-hmm. I, I, I think of that in my head with my, with my, cut, with my cut step. So, it kind of just, like, transitioned. It, it was an easy – it was an easy transition for me. Um, you, do you like – do you do you do you like track and field more than than the team sports? Um, well, I mean, team sports always it, it has its elements. You know, being it's a it's a different field being on the football field. Um, just offense or defense is a different vibe. It's a different camaraderie. You know, um, a lot more accountability, a lot more of um, just kind of reckless abandonment. Sometimes you just go out and you just try to make a play. And it and it and it happens, you know. It's a it's a lot more chance that goes into football, I think. A lot, more, um, but I can't can't really compare the two. Football football mm-hmm. is very different. It's very different. And I can I can yell and scream and hit people. Do you, do you prefer really... Do you prefer one 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 over the other? I, I would I would, I would prefer running into somebody. I'm not going. <laughs> but I mean, but and, you know, football also plays good, and and that's and that's a funny part because it's it's amazing because when you see track athletes and how sometimes it's kind of persuade like you don't really see too much of guys like yelling and screaming. It's not really looked at too well, but like. That that's that's really me. Like I, I'm I'm I like to be hyped. Like I like to get after it. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a warrior. Like you know I'm going over hurdles and it looks graceful. But I'm out there I'm out there digging. You know it's it's just different. So I it's mean, crazy you go from like not liking liking track to being that passionate about it, right? Yeah, yeah, not definitely. But like I said, the, just the fact that I was a, I was able to put in work, put in like you know like serious work and see the benefits like it literally right away right away mm-hmm. the very week the very week I decided that I was going to stick to track I started getting better you know and and literally every 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 I got better in every event 300 hurdles I went from running like 41 seconds I, I ended up running 37.3 um triple jump I would I never did any form or nothing like that I jumped like 46 off of just some mm. tap 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 you know 46, two and a half off of just some three taps, you know, just haul and tail and three taps. So, and it was just, you know, we, we had the four by four. It was a lot of, a lot of the track, track was just, I was able to put in work. Like, yeah. not saying, you know, football is a, is a, you know, it's a different ground with football. You go through two a days, you go through the weight training, you know, you, you go through all that, you know, battling to, to get, get the starting jobs. And I mean, for me, I, I pretty much did everything I did. Quarterback, receiver, safety, kick return, punt return. Like I was just fast. I was just fast. So you know. Um, but yeah, I just I love I love track just because the work that you put in. You know, you you get it right back. Football mm-hmm. is a lot of. I'm not saying you don't get it from football, but it takes it's a lot more moving parts for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So well, it seemed like it all really started to click for you. Like 
it seemed like it all really started to click for you once you started putting that work. You break a a twenty year one hundred and ten meter hurdle record, uh, state record, um, your right. senior year, um, mm-hmm. and then you you enroll you know at the University of Florida. Um, you're still running track. Yeah. Um, you know, saw that you were in the the Pan Am Junior Championships and you you won first there. But you know, what was the transition like for you as you know this guy just with a, a couple years under his belt of of real track coaching and you know, you, you enroll at the University of Florida under, you know, probably widely considered one of the best track and field coaches of all time and, and Coach Mike Holloway. Oh, yeah, what was sure. that transition like for you um, once you went from, from high school uh, to, to college? Um, well, I mean, to be honest, it, it, was, it was hard, especially mm-hmm. at first. Um, and mainly, at, so, like, as far as, like, track and training and everything like that, I was absolutely confident and excited about everything that had to do with track and field. I have a, I had I had a few conversations with Mouse before I got to Florida. You know, he came to my home and talked to my mom. You know, we didn't really talk about track that much, um, but we definitely talked about being great at Florida. And so that was just, you know, cool. I'm with it. You know, I saw the guys there. Some some guys I, I seen, you know, I seen a few years old, older, you know, before me. Um, and I played football too. So you know, I some some guys that you know I was close with in high school and even like you know just. Do 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 playing football and running track. I competed with, um. So, but it it was really it was actually tough at first. Um, I I got that summer B, you know, and I'm I'm in the dorm with all the football guys, all the guys that I played football with, guys like Chris Dunkley, um, Matt Elam. Me and Matt Elam were teammates at Palm Beach Lakes, and then he transferred to Dwyer. Um, Robert Clark. Um. Yeah, there's a few, 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 few guys. Um. What is another? It's another uh, tight end. Christian. Christian. There we go. Yeah, Christian. Yeah. Gerald so Christian. Like, I play. Gerald Christian. Yeah. So I played football with them guys. Cody Riggs. I I, I competed against him in track and field. He was mm-hmm. a football player. It was really tough, man. It was really tough just because I felt like I'm like, well, I don't think these guys are more talented than me. Um, I know that they they had you know they, they had better football teams. I'm gonna just be real. Like Palmies Lakes, before I came, you know, we had we had a few good years, but you know when I was there, like it was just a lot of changes, a lot of a lot of just different things happening. Um, I, I don't think we ever had an identity. I think that's one of the main reasons why Matt Elam transferred to Dwyer. Like he just had to go somewhere where he could be put to use, like effectively and be seen. You know, it just wasn't happening at Lakes. Um, but yeah, it was just tough, man. Cause the whole time I'm like, I'm like, I can, I can still play football. Like, you know, I, I always felt that way. I mean, even to this day, like, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's a hard transition just because I know how to do it. And, and I'm, I'm, I keep myself fit at all times. I'm not just, I'm not just track fit. Track is what I do, but I'm not just track fit. Like I, 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 I control my weight room program and I put my body through what it needs to be put through to be ready. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I think, you know, and we have conversations with, with guys. I actually had a conversation with uh um Mr. Uh Mr. Cheetah, because he's fronting about racing. He's not he's not gonna race anybody. He's never gonna race. It's just how Mr. High. Cheetah, but, yeah, who, so, Mr. Cheetah, elaborate for the yeah, fans that may not Tyre, know who Tyre, Mr. Cheetah. Uh Ty, Tyreek Hill. He's 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 a hot man. He's he's fast. He was fast ten years ago, but I think he's a hot man. <laughs> I think he I, I think I think he understands that even someone like me, he can't even beat the fastest hurdlers in the world on flat. On the mm. flat. So I don't, you know, ten years ago maybe, 
Now, I understand how you train. I understand that you don't train the way we train. And you can't possibly think that you can do something part-time and be better than somebody who does it full-time. It's just not. Well, I got, I got, so, I got someone for you. His name's Harlem Knowles. He's not in your age group yet, but uh, Corey has been, has been training. They've been in sand pits. Um, for sure, for sure, man. Yeah. Um, he, ain't, he ain't ready yet, man. He just, you know, he pop, man. <laughs> not yet. He, oh, man. He, he pressing so, the gas full throttle out the two out, out the four hundred, man. He ain't ready yet, bro. So when, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He got the race plan. Corey, yeah, Corey yeah, goes. Yeah, Corey goes. Good. He thinks he's Michael Johnson, just running yeah, out there, know. running out of the box. Uh, in hey, the he came out. Well, I was like, well, I might got, I might got something. <laughs> <laughs> that last hundred hey. meter came, man. Um, hey, he still finished third. He did all right. Okay, no, you definitely can't coach passion. I think that was like, and that, even that, that was the biggest thing for me. Like, I'm going to just be real. My first few races, I was getting dusted. But I just, <laughs> something just told me, like, I'm better than these guys. Like, I, right. I think I'm better. You know. Um, it's more It's more than just running. Speaking speak on, like, the nuances of, of, of track, like, like the strategizing mm-hmm. of, of the different races. and um, Yeah. Uh, uh, you're asking me to speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like to speak on yeah, like the strategizing the mental, the mental side of track. Yeah, well, I mean, track and track and field is more mental than physical. We're we're all we're athletic specimens. We're at we're at the top of our game. You know, I, I really, for me, just a side note, I really don't like. I, I really think it's disrespectful to 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 see someone do something in one area and see them do something else, and say, well, this person has this skill set and this person has this skill set, and there's no way. That this person can have this no track and field is more mental than physical we're professionals so we put our body through a lot we do things that the average person just can't do on an average day that's just what it is and so but when it comes to the to the mental part of it you got to think everybody is as athletic you have a few outliers but it, it is it's literally you literally have to take something that is very explosive, aggressive, and like in a relentless motion, and you have to do it with precision. That takes you to ha- you have to slow it down. Like you have to slow it down. And some of my fastest races, it was slow in my in my head. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It, like even 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 when we train mechanics, even when we train mechanics, all this uh, uh, that you're not winning races like that. Control. You see bolt. You see these guys at the top of their game. And so, like, you know, and it's ways, it's ways to do that. It's ways to do that mentally. And then also you can go back in and, you know what I'm saying, critique your body and work on certain things, you know, mobility and things like that, range of motion to work on, you know, moving efficiently and things like that. But it, ha- it has to be connected here. So even when you do reps, the reps have to be precise. It's not always about what's on the clock. It's right. about how you do it. So, like, you know, for me, I start off my hurdle season of course, I'm not running over hurdles, haul and tail. I'm not doing that starting off. I'm doing drills. I'm doing longer drills. I'm doing drills while I'm fatigued and I'm and I'm focusing on my posture. I'm focusing on where my hands and arms and everything is at. So like, it needs hand-eye coordination. It need it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it needs. I, you need you need good hips. You need and now for the hundred, you need you need something a little bit different. But for my event, you need a lot of things. You need balance. You need hand-eye coordination. You need great timing. You need to be able to control your breathing. Like, it's not just, you know, you, you need crazy mobility and you need crazy core control. Um, if any of those things are off, you know, 
welcome 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 to my world where i tore uh, uh an oblique muscle and, and then i hurt my psoas for later on in the year and you know so it takes a it takes a lot it takes it takes a lot it's it's more mental than anything even even in in your in your your preparation and recovery you know you see the workout you're thinking that you know and you have to think about it in a positive way so if you're looking at a workout you know let's say it's three times 120 i'm a hurdler so i'm not doing three times 120 all the time i'm doing more hurdles and you know especially when we get outside but I could kill me at three times 120, but I gotta when I see it on the paper. Okay, now we gotta we gotta get back into to sprint mode. We gotta we, you know like so is a is a not saying it's a different aggression, but like I'm obviously I'm using my energy in a different way. Right. I'm still fit enough to run 13 low, but sure. I'm also still fit enough to run 10 low and right. run and run and run 20 point. So you know it's it's even even in my long runs, I have to I have to you know you have to really you have to you have to really like think about it. It's it's not it's not just about it's not just people that's fast just going out there running. It's it's done with precision. What helps Every you stay focused? With... Man, honestly, man, when I'm out there, I, being out being out there just helps me stay focused. To be honest, when I'm there, I'm like locked. I'm just locked in. Um. I mean, that outside just, of that, that love my, passion because I mean, like it, it's out there. You're out there hot. That track gets hot. Like there's some yeah. long days. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh oh. I, I, but I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not. I'm not where I want to be. I think I'm. I think I'm much. I think I could do much better than where I'm at right now. So, if 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 anything, that keeps me focused. Like I, I want to be there. Um, I want to be there. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not done. I got. I got to put a few more. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's this little joke that we got in the camp, but we always say like, man, I got to get my times down. But yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get my times down. I think I got much. I think I got much more on the clock. And um, you know, just being realistic. When I graduated, I left from training under mouse. You know, I went. I went what I heard a coach at the time, and I had I had some good years. I ended up making the the world final at Portland. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I end up I, I I made I made real I made the real Olympics and actually 16 was probably one of my most consistent years. Um, but going back to the mental part, as far as like my preparation, there was like things that I that I wasn't doing. You know what I'm saying? Right. As far as taking care of my body, right. and understanding my body more. Um, just being real, I ran 750. I ran 13, and you know I was on those four by ones. I'm gonna just be honest with y'all, man. I was just running. I was just running. You know, it would be times where Mouse would try to talk to me about technique and things like that, but it always got to the point where I just would just say F it and just run. Like that was just, you know, that was just my mechanism. Now, me as a professional, that's not that's not gonna work. You yes, the passion. You need that same passion, you need that same aggression, you need that same relentless, you need that, you know, you need that that serenity between being, you know, all out, but also being in your zone. You need that. You know, you need that, but like the the the, the preparation is much more detailed. Uh, talking about the preparation, because as a professional, you're training more. I mean, it, practice is going to be more intense, and you know those reps are going to have to count. It's not like college where you can like race yourself into shape. So it was a lot of things that I had to learn, and it, it honestly took me a, it took me a long time just because I had a different idea, and like I said, I had a different coach. 
um, for a while. So like the the ideas just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't the, the pro what what we were doing. It just wasn't working for me anymore. So, um, eighteen, I came back. Um, you know, I had a few more years, made a semifinal. Um, in seventeen, and I think eighteen, uh, semifinals of what London, and then um. You know, ran a few regional meets, got got bronze at NatCAD, things like that. You know, I, I was, I, I had a, I had a, a, a lot of promising moments, but like the preparation was a bit off. And um, you know, since being back with Mouse, like I'm, I'm figuring that out. Like, <laughs> I'm a much better hurdler. I'm a much better sprinter. But it took me, it took, it took more mental strength than physical strength. Like it took, it took me thinking about what I was doing in a different way. You know, um. It took more of that than than just me. Oh, let me just lift more mm-hmm. weights. Let me just try to run harder. It took way more mental mental strength and just you know growth for me to be able to understand my body mm-hmm. and you know what I'm saying use my body to to get you know get these get these get this hurdling done. And and EJ, you were back at the Olympics uh, a few months ago, right? Or six months ago? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, what was yeah. what? what how did you mentally prepare? Obviously, you were there at, at Rio in 2016, uh, and then Tokyo right. here in 2021. How did you prepare differently mentally for for that? Well, I mean, going into Tokyo, Tokyo was going into Tokyo was it, it was a lot. It was a lot. I opened up 13:47 down in Miramar, and literally the practice that I got back again a mental flaw. It had nothing to do with my body. It was just a mental flaw. It had to do with my body, but mentally I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do what I needed to do as far as, you know, coming back from the meet, getting my body right and preparing for the, for the workout. You know, I was down, you know, I was down with my family, just, you know, trying to see it was, you know, it was, a, I don't really see my family that much. So it was just, it was a mental lapse on my end and, you know, got back, had a hard workout and I ended up, I ended up tweaking my hamstring. And so um, that was what that was literally like, literally the the Monday after Miramar after my opener, and um, since then you know I was I was doing my best to just uh, get back healthy, and then I started going into like just now I just started like going into like fixing my body, so like I was working on my hip mobility, I was working on my thoracic mobility, my back mobility, how my arms move, things like that. I was I was working on a lot of different things. And um and that actually it got me to be able to be healthy enough to get back hurdling. So I was doing some, you know, I was doing long work, but I just wasn't able to sprint all out or hurdle. And so I actually got two and a half weeks of training, uh, hurdling. And so um for me, like it it had to every day had to be about precision. Cause if I'm running bad, I'm 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 literally preparing myself for another injury, you know, if 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 weights are not right. So you know, I had to be, I had to just make sure like everything was, I had to make sure everything was on point. When I got up, my, my routine, getting my body together, make sure I'm getting my hydration, you know, going to practice, think about what I'm doing, you know, focusing on my mechanics. Like I said, it's not all about what's on the clock. It's about doing it, doing it right. If you can do it slow, you can do it fast. You know, if you could do it when you're tired, you could do it anytime. So Pretty much, you know, I, I just, you know, me and me and Mouse, we kind of just, we kind of just went into, you know, went into overdrive, did our best to get ready for Tokyo, and I mean, like mentally, I, I was ready, I was excited, I was excited for Tokyo, um, and it, it didn't end up being what I wanted to be, but I, I think I just tried to do too much, 
again the mental part you know mouse mouse had a plan and you know and, and we talked about it and from there we kind of tweaked some things and but it, even now like i said like hindsight if i'm what i'm doing now and how i'm training now if i was doing that going to tokyo things would have been much better and so um you know that's that's just that's just a fact for 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 that we know just based on you know what we're doing and um, you know, obviously, keeping up with Grant Holloway is not easy. I'm gonna just be real with you. The man be hard Killer. as hell every day. Yeah. The man be hard as hell every day. It's almost annoying. Like, bro, I gotta warm up. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it is. It is what it is. You know, he come out there like bus two thirties, and he ready. I'm like, hey man, I need like two three minutes between these. Like, you know, so it's a it's it's funny, man. It's funny. It's it's good. It's good training out there with him. But um, what was Tokyo yeah, like? Like. I, like I, Tokyo, Tokyo he, he was, was in a you're probably in a bubble though, right? You're like you, you didn't even see man, Tokyo, you saw Tokyo. like the bubble. It looks listen, amazing, listen. man. I got that on my bucket list of listen. places I want I want to check out too, man. So so check this out. We was able to I was able to get like some pictures, we was able to see some places, things like that. Tokyo, Tokyo is amazing. Even even the places that we were able to see that was close to the village, very amazing, very high tech. The, their economic stru- structure is, is amazing. They don't have a vaccine, but everything else I think is pretty cool. <laughs> um, obviously, 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 you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, you might know, but like I love anime. Mm-hmm. I love, I love, you know, I love martial arts. You know, when I'm done with track and field, I'm learning Wing Chun. Please don't mess with me. I'm breaking bones. <laughs> hey, I'm breaking bones. The warning hey, is out so, there. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, you know, um, to be real, man, Rio, Rio was amazing. I was all over Rio. I was, I was, it was, it, you know, and I, I think that's the element that Tokyo didn't have, being able to see around, being able to try authentic food, being able to just, you know, communicate and really like bond with the people. And I, obviously I understand it was, you know, it was COVID and restrictions and things like that. So, I mean, it it was I, I don't know how everybody was. Some people were able to focus. They was just locked in. I'm gonna just say that they had to be locked in before they got to Tokyo, because I got to Tokyo and like because I went to because I went to Rio, it kind of like threw me off a little bit. You know, I wasn't there for that long, but it took me like a day or two to kind of like just I was like in a little funk. I'm like I'm like I done traveled like a whole. It took me a whole day to get here, you know. And I'm just like it just you know. They, you know, they had a lot going. They had the facilities, things like that. I think that I think they did their best. You know, it was it was it was a good experience, but at the same time, because we didn't have that social element, and like it wasn't it wasn't you wasn't able to really like let free and be in your groove. It almost felt it almost felt like a camp, like a yeah. like a like a. I, honestly, it felt like a camp. I'm gonna just be real mm-hmm. with you. For for me at least, you know the rooms are super small. I felt like I was like back in like ROTC camp. I'm gonna just be real with you. Um, well, but yeah, well, take it me was, but, take me back to I, Rio then, because Rio Rio, you've got mm-hmm. the village. Um, we always okay. read these crazy stories about the village. I mean, you've got the collection of human beings that you have in an Olympic village. These are the top athletes yeah. in the world at a gigantic range of sports. Um, mm-hmm. beautiful men, beautiful women. You got nothing to do after yeah. your races are done. What's going on uh, in the Olympic Village, especially after your event is done and you got, you know, a week or something to chill? I mean, me, I was with my coach. We was all over Rio just mm-hmm. partying. I, it, it, like, so when we got done, we we sight, we sight saw, and um, we had maybe about four or five days where we just had nothing to do, man. We would leave. 
we would leave the village around like maybe like four or five o'clock. We wouldn't get back to like seven in the morning. We was we was we was having too much fun. Just having too much fun. And I mean like Brazil, it was a lot going on in, in, in Rio at the time. I think they had just won like a world uh like a world cup or something like that. So I know that something was going on. And you know, like and 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 just just everyone knew the Olympics was going on. So like everybody was just so it was it was just much more em, embracing. Like I, mm. I I thought I was from Brazil. I was having so much fun. Like you know what I'm saying? Like man, all types of food. People just everybody was so nice. Um, it was cool, man. It was it was it was it was cool. It was it was definitely it was definitely fun. And and the and the village the village was amazing too. I mean, like they they had like a you know they had the shopping center and just like the common area. Um, but it was still like, you know, they had tennis courts and, and these are the things that Tokyo was missing, tennis courts, basketball courts, pools, like it really felt like real, almost felt like a resort, like the way, you know, like the way they had it set up and, and yeah, like it was something it's like, the, y'all like being, man, I should have the, like, the finest and finest things, man. Right. It, it was, it was cool. It was really cool. Real, real was a real was amazing. The, the setup, I think, was great. You know, they had like good entertainment for the athletes. Um, it was a, it was enough to keep us busy, but enough for us to be focused at the same time. Mm-hmm. That was something that I felt like Tokyo was definitely missing. It wasn't any recreation outside in Tokyo. Um, everything was kind of like inside, so you had to like walk. You know, like we're already tired. We're jumping and sprinting and lifting. Like I, I can't walk half a mile just to just to go to the common area. That's not really it. <laughs> so right. you know, like it was. It was Tokyo. Tokyo was much different, but like I said, like real, real was a real was amazing. Um, I went to went to shopping centers, went to food courts. Went, I was all I was all in the town. I went to some beaches. Like it was really good. I went and saw the um the 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 Christ statue. I went and climbed, you know, climbed up the mountain. Like it was it was amazing, man. And just being able to see, just being able to see, like you know. All those athletes just in one area, you know. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw, not Federer, but another. Uh, I mean, I seen I seen people that I probably would never see if I wasn't yeah. an athlete. I'm gonna just be for real sure. with you, you know. Anyone, um, anyone get you starstruck? Um, no, nah, not really. I'm not. You know, I'm not. I, I I respect. I respect. You know, for for me, any it's anybody, any athlete, whether they're whether they're a higher caliber or just more famous like it's it's more like respect for me you know um i think it's just i think it's just an honor kind of like just you know to, to be in that same be in that same arena with them at, you know um it's, it's just a special place to be I, I was i wasn't i wasn't starstruck but i will say one time i was starstruck but it wasn't that real it was the first time i had met boat i'm first time i actually like spoke to boat and it was in moscow 2013 and you know i know he's jamaican and now mind you i'm from the caribbean too and so, like, when I'm, I know in certain, in certain parts of that, you know, especially, like, when I'm getting ready or I'm in my mode, like, certain times when it's, like, just don't talk, don't talk to me, don't, don't bother me. I'm, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get in my groove. And, um, you know, um, in my mind, me thinking of his caliber, I, I thought that he was going to be, like, more like that. You know, some, some people could be, like, you know, when they in their mode, they could, they could be really, like, you know, gritty. Um, but, yeah, like, the first time I met him, you know, I'm just like checking him out, and I, you know, I said what's up. He said what's up to me, and um, yeah, like just watching the practice, watching how he move. I'm like, this this dude really like just chill. He's just a regular dude. You know what I'm saying? Like he's bold, 
but like he's down to earth. His head ain't in the clouds, you know. And that was really cool to see. It was it was cool to see because it was much different than what I thought. You know, I was much different than what I thought. Being of his caliber, and, you know, me it's, and and with me, I'm gonna just be real. With me, with me training and living in the U.S., it's certain athletes that I went to school with, and you know, and they up there now. And sometimes they, act, you know, that, that's another story. But track and field could be like that sometimes. You know, they get people getting they they get to a point where they just feel like you know they untouchable. But I ain't really like that. You know, anytime I was at my best, I just you know. I'm I'm still me. I'm a I'm a regular dude out here. I just I just got a talent. I'm just you know I'm just I'm just exercising the talent that I was that I was given. I'm just doing what I can do to make change for myself. Like you know so, but yeah, that was probably the only time that I was close to starstruck. But I mean, like I said, any anybody else that I ever met, Tyson Gay, the first time I met Aries, David Oliver, um, you know, and and some of those people I actually you know like I actually have like real relationships mm-hmm. with like you know I, I can like hey you know I could hit up David Oliver just you know talk to him about whatever track stuff just mm-hmm. you know whatever just so that, that's cool that's that's cool but um yeah I, I don't think I was ever starstruck I'm not not but that <laughs> if, I, if I was it was that time yeah. I definitely my I definitely thought it was going to be different see I've been walking by I've been walking by like is that Michael Phelps that's Michael Phelps yeah I would uh I think Rio was his last nah, was, his last uh, Olympics too Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool to see. Yeah, I, I saw Phelps, I saw Biles, I saw um, what's the other girl with Gabby, um, Douglas. Yeah, man, I saw Gabby Douglas. Yeah, I saw yeah a lot of people, and and everybody, everybody was everybody was cool. Everybody was really, you know, everybody was. You could tell everybody was happy to be there. Tokyo wasn't so much. It was just yeah. a lot going on. Yeah. Couldn't really be around you. I couldn't. I I couldn't really be around my friends. You know. You know. I. You know. Former Gators. That compete for other countries, you know, other sports. Mm-hmm. Just people that I people I like. I like I was in my room the whole time. It was it was just it was just weird. It was weird for me because mm-hmm. I, I was I was so excited. I was I was happy to be there. I was like I said, coming back from that injury and just being in, in, in shape enough to be able to get over some sticks. Like you know, I I was I was happy. I was happy to be there, but like the the experience it just it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't anything close to the experience socially that I had with with Rio and, yeah. and you know what I'm saying that matters it matters because you're at a point where like you've been training all year this is the last this is probably for most people it's the last meet of the season most people are, are you know so I'm gonna just be real most people are happy to be there but mm-hmm. you know people like me like I want to go there and I want to be able to do something so it's a lot of it's a lot of mental it's a lot of mental mental pressure, and you know mental pressure turns into to, to body body pressure. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a it's a fine balance that you gotta you know that you gotta find, and you know some people are in some some people just being real. Some people that went they went into Tokyo already locked in. You know they knew what they had to do. They were on a mission. Mm-hmm. For me, you know it was a little bit different. I, w- I was finding my groove, but you know it just ain't it just ain't happen for me with the timing. But um, but yeah, an amazing, amazing feats by 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 a lot of different people, um, and hats off to them because just for me, it it was very uncomfortable. I mean, I couldn't even sleep. I mean, like I'm I'm not big, but I'm very long. I have wide shoulders, like I got long arms. The bed was like smaller than a twin bed, like dude, mm-hmm. like. Sometimes I, I I literally a few nights I had I slept on the floor man because the bed was just too small like 
I was sleeping like a mummy, man. Like, the, like I literally <laughs> had to sleep like this. Because if I if I put my arms down, like one arm would be on the wall, and then the other arm would be like on the off the bed. It was just, it just wasn't it for me. Yeah. It wasn't it for me. Some people oh. was able to do it, and like I said, hats off to them. Like they was locked in. Kudos, because man, sounds tough. Um, you EJ, have, uh, uh, go ahead. Nick. You have par- you have Paris in your crosshairs. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we going to Paris. No, we going, we going to Paris. We going to Paris. We making Paris happen for sure. I love it. <laughs> for sure. Well, you sure? Yeah. <laughs> he's he's yeah, pretty yeah. sure. And he seems to be on the yeah, fence I'm about the next sure. Olympic Games. Uh, we'll see. We'll see yeah. if we can do it or not. You'll have to break the news nah. if you want to go next. Next. Uh, next. Olympics. Hey, nah. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just staying humble. I'm super ready. We we preparing for Paris right now. I know we got Eugene and everything else, but we we getting ready for Paris right now. It takes a while to, I, I, you know, it takes a, for something that's important, something that you want to do. It's going to take some drinking. So where I want to be at, if I get it this year, hey, we're going to keep going. But it might it might take to after Paris. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I'm definitely, I'm definitely at Paris for sure. Uh, shameless. Uh, I'm just follow- being humble. I don't want to be arrogant. But, hey. No, no, no. Do your thing, man. Sometimes, and confident. Yeah, sometimes you got to talk that talk, yeah. uh, EJ. But yeah. real quick, shameless, shameless acts for follow back. Follow me back, man. I'm keep in touch with you. I like I like what you got going on, man. Mm. No, no shame. No shame. No shame, no shame, at, all. shame at all. No shame. I got at all. I got one. I got one <clears throat> non truck <laughs> One non track question. What was what was your go to when you were in Gainesville? What were the spots? Off season, you got some time to yourself. I don't think he went to balls yeah. and. No, he didn't. No, <laughs> he didn't go. He didn't go to balls, Dan. I'm sure he did. I don't think you went to your spot either, uh, uh, Nicholas. I got many spots. I'm trying to figure out what. Like spots you mean like to eat or just like just to hang out or whatever? Eat, party, oh, just to, to go out at night. What are you doing? You got a night I out. Mean, you're, not, you're not training the next day. You got a night out to go enjoy the town. Man, we used to kill Cantina when we was just Ooh, and then, hey, cause so check this out. You know, I played, I played five beta sigma yeah. too. So like, okay. man, I was, uh, I don't know how I was able to do some of the stuff I did. But <laughs> Miles used to be cussing me out, boy. I used to be gone. <laughs> but you know, like it was college, man. I had, I had fun. I had fun. You know, I was able to do some great things. You know, uh, for myself. You know, with 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 the team. Um, I had a great time, but yeah, can cantina. I never. I'm. I'm not really like a going out guy. Like for me, I'm. I'm more like you know, at the crib, chill back, house party stuff like that. Like when I joined the frat, like that's I did more of that. But when I was just you know when I was just a track athlete, cantina used to be the spot. Um, yeah, trying to figure out, out was another cantina. place. Miss that. Yeah, man, it ain't even there no more. It's no. a hard. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, me, me, everybody, my my track teammates, even like my bros, we talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. I used to be man, that it used to be movies and canteen mm-hmm. to listen. Man, rest in the most peace, <laughs> man. Used to be... oh. Man, yeah, canteen. What canteen was a spot. I remember, I remember, two thousand what national championship? I think it was our second back to back. Our second back to back, and then yeah, it was at Texas A and M. And we took a red eye. We took a red eye back to Gainesville. We left that flight and went straight to Cantina and we partied. Right on the way home from the airport. <laughs> so just, tired. Just drop us off here, boys. <laughs> Bro, we was tired. We 
the bus the bus is on university you're like yo you yeah. can stop here they're yeah. like you don't want us to right pull here. around to the track you're like nope you can stop right here yeah. get leave our bags yeah, on the bus some, we're going yeah, straight we're gonna to take this trophy with us though yeah nah some of us we some of us left our bags at the track right in the yeah. locker room took it like you know some of us were still on campus and stuff but yeah like it was it was man, that that was yeah. Can't cantina, cantina, a lot of different nights. Cantina, fun nights, fun nights, fun cantina. nights. Yeah, cantina. Rest was... in peace, cantina, man. Rest in peace. Oh One man, some great memories. Man, I went in there and spent uh like uh, hundred and twenty bucks that would have cost me probably like a couple grand down in South Florida. Man, I felt like <laughs> the king of the world. College town drinks. Listen, bro. <laughs> Oh man, my, friend, well, my friends come up from South Florida. Friends come up from South Florida and they order like five, six shots, and then they hear the price. They're like, "What? Can yeah, I get like yeah. five, six more?" Yeah, 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 run that back. Yeah, run that back. back. back yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, it was another spot. I think it was another spot. Oh, so it was called Grog. Was yeah, that Grog spot? House? Yeah. Is that? Woo! Yeah. Still Grog. there? Yeah, yeah. I had, okay. I had I had some nights in Grog. Grog, man, the floor used to be shaking. I used to oh yeah, all yeah. through the floor. It used to be sticky and shaking. <laughs> The only thing that's keeping that floor together. The grace of God. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing keeping Grog from from falling down into balls is the grace of God and and 30 years of spilled sugary drinks. That's that's holding those tails together. Yeah, it's concrete. It's fossilized at this point because ain't no way. (laughs) What? I used to be in that scared. I'm gonna I'm be real. Like the first, the first time I walked up in there, like I'm, I'm talking to my bros. I'm like, hey, bro, I'm trying to go. Like this, like, like, <laughs> go up that narrow staircase. You're like, where are we going, boys? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, I wasn't feeling it. And, you know, we pregame, so I was already like, you know, I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. bro, I'm already feeling it. The ground feel like it's about to bust. Like, oh, I, can't, <laughs> I can't do it, but. I just I just got a few more shots and we was good after that. Really that's good. part of that's part of the <laughs> yeah. thrill of grog. You don't know if it's gonna be your last night if you're if that's you're right. actually going to cave down with the building. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, oh, grog. Man. Yeah, grog and cantina was definitely the spots for sure. Well, sure. EJ, my friend, we appreciate you hanging out with us yeah. for for almost an hour uh, this evening. Hey, I appreciate um, you having me on. T- tell everybody where they can follow you on uh, on social media and, and keep up with your story and root for you in Paris. All right, so my so my Instagram and my Twitter is love it. So my last name L O V E T T O R leave four. So it's love it or leave four. Mm. And so that's my Instagram and Twitter, and on Facebook, just EJ Love It. I love it, man. Bro, well, you were yeah, you've been taking some nil money. Uh, back in college with that kind of branding. Yeah. Uh, yeah hey man, man. I, I, I wish, I wish, I will, I will say this. I will say this. I am upset that I wasn't able to be a part of that, but I am happy for 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 future for future athletes. And and I'm I know NIL helps more than just athletes, but mm-hmm. I think I think it's cool. I, I think it's cool. I think it's cool. One one time, I think I think I probably spoke. I probably uh, spoke to Mouse about like you know like what they get for like championships and stuff. And I was kind of hot. I'm like, man, more back to back to all these titles you got. Well, you got to make it money. But yeah, yeah, it's, I think it's I think it's cool, man. I think it's I think it's amazing. Uh, I think it's I think it's amazing. Um, because uh, and I, and I mean like for me, like one of the biggest things that helped me just get through college 
you know, I, I, I never, I, I was a student athlete, but like my athletic talent, I just, I mean, even now I see it as a, a window of opportunity, you know, I ain't going to be an athlete forever, but mm. definitely through me being an athlete, you know, I, I'm, I've been able to meet people. I've been able to make connects. I've been able to, to grow, you know, as a person, it's a lot of different, a lot of different things that, that um, a lot of different opportunities that I was given just through me being able to use this talent. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it, I'm happy to be here still working hard. More to come, more to come. Um, All right. done. We're going to be rooting for you, brother. Well, we appreciate it. EJ, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks for your time this evening. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Y'all be easy. All right, man. Hold it down. EJ Lovett, former Early national day. champion sprinter and uh, two-time like Olympian, about to make a third. I like guests like him, bro. I ain't had to, to say a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Ask him one question. Um, no, he was, yeah, he was great. I like um, really, I like, I like really talkers, cool story. Yeah. <laughs> really cool story. Well, we are, gosh, we're almost at two hours today. So let's let's get a few more things out of the way. Uh, congratulations to Women's Gymnastics for winning the SEC tournament. So they won the regular season SEC tournament and the SEC uh, our regular SEC crown and then the SEC tournament crown. Uh, women's basketball, unfortunately, did suffer a loss to UCF on uh, the first round of their tournament, but they do have a bright future ahead. Uh, men's basketball did beat Iona and Rick Pitino in the first round of the NIT and then uh, did lose to Xavier uh, in the second round. But uh, I do want to get through a few more football things before we get to the Manscaped ad read and Nick's song of the week. Um, Emory Jones um, finally announced that that he would officially transfer uh, to university or from the University of Florida after the spring and after he does graduate. Um, obviously, not something that um, you know was unexpected. But uh, any parting thoughts for Emory Jones? Uh, no, I mean that's what I expected. I, I thought he came back regardless of whatever what was reported. And no slight to Emory Jones, but I thought he was going out to. He graduated pretty much. Um, mm -hmm. I think Emory saw exactly what we saw as far as like uh, talent-wise. I didn't think it was going to be much of a competition. Uh, once I seen the reports that AR was healthy and participating in spring, 100%, it was just like the writing was on the wall for me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. I don't think he ever intended on being at Florida in the fall. Um, and mm -hmm. I wrote that. That was right. on Gators Online. Like, listen. Nothing against other schools, but like if he goes to, uh, let's say he goes to South Carolina, um, you've spent nine semesters at the University of Florida. You're one semester away from getting your degree. Do you want a degree from South Carolina? And you, you've been there for one semester. You go there to take two classes, and and now your degree for the rest of your life is from South Carolina. Um, I think Emory was fed up with with what what he had been through. Um, and was, and was done. And I think he told Pete Thamel the truth before the Gasparilla Bowl that he wanted to leave. And I think cooler heads prevailed. And it's like, son, you are very close from getting a degree from, the, from a top five public university in the country. Just stick it out, get that degree, and, and let's get, hit the transfer portal after. Um, I think staying as long as he did ensures that those classes are paid for and, and good for him. You know, you're on scholarship. Use that scholarship. Get your degree. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think, I don't think there was ever really, a a chance that Emory Jones would have been on Billy Napier's roster in, in the fall. So, mm -hmm. um, great, great young man. He's been through a lot, heard a lot, of, heard a lot of crap. Um, but he's always been good to us and, uh, 
you know, best of luck to him wherever he ends up. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, right out the bat, he was taking the second, te- the second team snaps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of the way they run practice. You're kind of, we're, and obviously we're kicked out of there before eleven on eleven starts. Um, but he yeah, saw something, he, Nicholas. I don't think he just woke up and just like, yeah, this just ain't it. Today is today. I'm just done. <laughs> I, he saw something that practice was like, yeah, let me start wasting my time and 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 study on school a little bit. I think that was the whole mindset. I think he stayed long enough to ensure that those classes right. uh, were, were paid for and, and the degree was going to be, you know, the degree was going to be secured. I don't think it was in his mind. Oh, I'm, I'm second string already. I think it, his mind was already made up before snaps were even took. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't know why he would go out and it's not, I mean, if I do have a criticism, which is not a big criticism, but I don't know why he would say he was like buying in and right. You know, like that's, that's the only thing that threw me off and then turn right back around. Uh, to even say, like, with Napier bringing them back, I, I just think I didn't get that whole part of it. Outside of that, I mean, that's just what we all kind of expected. Yep, so unex- or not unexpected. Uh, certainly we will see over the next couple of days and couple of weeks where um, where he may transfer to another some, some Power 5 schools that have – uh, followed him on Twitter, and I would imagine that we'll start to see some. Uh, Who followed some, him? Then? Arizona State was one of. I I just saw somebody else post another of uh, some schools that had followed him. So it'll be interesting to see where he does end up. Um, you know, maybe a a fresh outlook, fresh opportunity, and maybe a change of scenery might be uh will be good for him. So certainly wish him the best of uh best of luck uh, on his next location. Um, want to get through spring practice real quick. Uh, we can get into a little bit of recruiting too, but we can kind of save that um, for the next show. But but Nick, break us down a little bit of practice uh, from what you've seen in the, the the three or so practices you've been to. Three or so minutes you've seen. <clears throat> That's forty five minutes. So don't 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 talk don't down on my forty five minutes. <laughs> um, Give me your fifteen, it, bro. It's it's really interesting. So I think a lot of people were like, why the hell do they want? 50 walk-ons and and when you see the way that practice is structured um there's essentially like two practices going on at the same time and you know Mm. you're you're having there's not really downtime and then when they break down into stations um you're not you're not really waiting for reps and i think they needed more bodies to be able to run the practice that they want to run um to me everyone's going to want to know about quarterback um there's a, a clear gap between Anthony Richardson and then the other three guys on the roster. Um, and I think Jack Miller's fine. I think he'd be serviceable. He's your number two. Um, but like, I don't see him winning the starting job. I think this, you know, it won't be announced, but I think this is Anthony Richardson's team. Um, and certainly his job to lose. Now, listen, he spent more time in the training room um, than he did on the field last year. So you're going to have to, you know, figure out a way to keep him healthy, get him healthy. Um the running backs, I, I thought that uh, Montreal Johnson would be ahead just because he's been in the program, um, but the staff really likes Lorenzo Lingard, and, and I they're raving about DeMarcus Bowman. Um, tight end, I think you're not going to see a Kyle Pitts in this offense. Um, a lot of blocking. Um, and, and the wide receiver room, I think, leaves a lot to be desired. Um, mm-hmm. A lot to be desired. There's guys that – I just don't see the speed that you would normally, I guess, assume Florida would have at that position. 
Um, Who were they saying was running with the ones? Was it Frazier's and Weston? Um, it's the one time we we've been to one practice with the pads, and we got in. We got in during one period where there was 11 on 11, and, and I don't know if it's a package or not. So I think another website talked about a depth chart. I wasn't comfortable uh, mm-hmm. from what we've seen and, and what I've heard from people to, to put out a depth chart yet. We'll have one soon. But, yeah. uh, you know, three practices and the first two were, were without pads, so we weren't right. seeing, you know, 11 on 11. So I'll, I'll shy away from going with a depth chart. I think it's a, a little premature to put it out right now. Cool. Well, we'll, uh, we'll wait for that next week. Um Boys, I don't know um, if you want to talk. There, there is some, there's some buzz about some uh, recruiting from this weekend about maybe a, a commit or two or none. None have publicly come out yet. I do expect one publicly in the not too distant future. Uh, there was another one. Um, emojis were sent, um, <laughs> and, and that's that's about all we have so far. Um, I got trust issues. Yeah, you got uh, who's got who's got trust issues. I do, you know, like especially with emojis. Emojis don't don't do it for me no more. Like I need results. Mm-hmm. But there's some smoke about I don't think the kid I think the crystal balls be be killing vibes to the prediction mm-hmm. stuff, man. Like and I like I don't want to get into like bickering about like like nonsense, right? But I do the thing that kills the vibes sometimes. AJ Harris came out and tweeted something about a crystal ball today, but it was a lot of vibes around him. Some crystal balls went in. Or some predictions mm-hmm. uh, on all, all all the different on three um, rivals two four seven all the predictions was going up about him, um, and then nothing happened. Yeah, I think I think it's it's tough, right? Um, you know, people pay for for access and information, and they they want to get it. Um, you know, certainly it's crystal ball and not you know anything set in stone. I, I do. Uh, it don't it don't stop everybody else, so I don't care. Right, man. right. I don't know, but right, I was just yeah, gonna right. say I do agree with you that I think it ruins moments. Um, you know, when there's an opportunity for somebody, you know, especially a, a kid, and I'm not gonna use any particular names, but you know, when you're expecting to to potentially get a commitment, you know, from a big name, kind of out of the blue uh, or out of nowhere, you know, you you've kind of ruined that, or now it becomes an expectation, or you know, if there's a couple crystal balls that come in, um, and then it doesn't happen right away, there's there's disappointment, and then there's um, you know, there, there's tweets that fly there. There's things that are said that, um, you know, probably in no way relate to their ability to, to close or to get a particular person, but you put that out a moment gets ruined. And, you know, for, for a lot of these kids, they commit once, and this is their, their only opportunity uh, to do so. So um, I understand the business side of it, but I, I do wish that we could be a little bit more, uh, I don't know, cautious, uh, I guess, about some of the, the crystal balls that are, that are out there for sure. Especially if you know something might happen, you know, soon. Man, I mean, yeah, no, I don't I care. Think... The writers, writers could do their thing, in my opinion. Like that ain't yeah, their job. Yeah. They, they they got the information either from the kid or or somebody close to the program. Uh, so whatever they do with the information is on them. Sure. Uh, and then Georgia, if they're they, they getting five stars, they get crystal ball all crazy, mm-hmm. and it's still and the commit still happens. So ultimately, um, when I say when I bring it up, it's just for like the kids' sake, like. That mm-hmm. kid's moment, like let the kids have their moment type thing, but um, it shouldn't be preventing us from landing five stars. No, I agree, Nick. Uh, yeah, I think I think there's, and, and I don't really know because I don't cover recruiting. I don't know if there's pressure to get those predictions in um, with our site or with with two four seven because I think you know obviously the crystal ball started with two four seven, and we've got the uh, RPM at on three. I don't know if there's pressure to do that or if. 
writers are taking it into in and of themselves. Um, but the game has changed with social media. Like it used to be uh, a, a writer that covered recruiting would get in good with a family or a coach and they would break a commitment. And now with social media, that's just not the case anymore. And it's taken some time, but like right now I've always had the, the standpoint of I haven't put that time in. I haven't worked to get this offer. It's not my moment. If I know before the kid announces and a lot of these guys will have a relationship with a writer and they'll give them the quotes and like, Hey, I'm, I committed to Florida and, and here's my quote. So your story can be ready. Um, and then it's your as, as a professional to respect that, um, let the kid have their, that his moment. Um, and then follow your story after they tweet it out or they put it on yeah. Instagram or whatever they, whatever they choose to do. Yeah. So I agree with Corey's sentiment, both sides. It shouldn't prevent anything. It, it should, um, you know, it certainly shouldn't prevent, you know, kids from committing. And I hope that that doesn't get in the way of, of doing so. Um, you know, I guess some discretion. No, I think we good here. I think, I think, yeah. I think we all right, man. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm just not going to go crazy until I get a commitment. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the silent commits don't do nothing for me or the emojis. When the commit actually goes down, then now you know what I'm saying I got some videos and some trolls to let fly. But until mm. then, Silk's just wait in the wings. I wait until the, the, the grassy knoll. I wait until the I wait until the <laughs> sitting in the grassy knolls. <laughs> Look at that. The That's there's your in the grassy knoll. Yeah, I like that pun. I like that pun. That's why I get paid the big bucks. Mm. I might I may use grassy knoll knolls again in the manscape battery. There you go. Yeah. Well, why don't you yeah. take us into the Manscaped battery then? Yeah. Shout out to the grassy nose. I was grassy. I ain't grassy no more. Um, <laughs> ran the lawnmower and the, and the edger and the weed eater. Um, all those great products <laughs> from the great folks at manscaped.com. The best of the best when it comes to man grooming. Be sure to use coupon code 20SG at checkout for 25% off and free shipping. 20% off, but yeah, 20%, 25% off. If you made it that far, then Dan, 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 I covered the other five. How about yeah, that? yeah, just send us the bill and be sure to use ball deodorant. It's, we're about to get it's about to get cold again. What the hell's going on with the temperature? I don't know. It's gonna rain on Thursday. Here is a cold front coming through. It's chilly this morning, it was like 51 degrees when I left. Yeah, I'm about to put my ball deodorant morning. back up. I was about to pull it, put it out, but. Put it in the cabinet for one more weekend. One more week. One more week. Nick, well, Nick, Nick can't hear anything. Nick, Nick can't hear anything. Nick's in that, Nick's having all sorts of technical issues today. Uh, with that, then Nick just left. So, so Nick's uh, song of the week. Um, I guess can by go to default. Me. Yeah, by default. Yeah, I guess. What do you guess think Nick so. would have played? I, I feel you know Nick. Think, think he like country this week? That's the thing about Nick is he he doesn't you know he doesn't follow a particular you know path. Yeah. Me and you have um, kind of figured out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. everybody kind of knows who we are. Um. Well, then I'll go. Um. Let's. Oh, Nick, can you hear us now? Yeah, yeah, I'm back. Okay, perfect. We were just trying to telegraph what song you might pick. So Ooh. since you're song of the week, Nick, take us out. We couldn't uh, quite do it. We're not sure if it's country or it's yeah. hip hop. You yeah, like a drive-by song. Yeah, it was a wedding song, but like you could do like drive-bys to it. So that was wild. Um, I'm going, I'm going out of pocket here. Mm. Um, but it's Wyatt Langford's walk-up song, which mm. turned me on to a Whoa. group called Again. Molly Hatchet. Okay. So everybody getting turned on today. So it's my <laughs> it's uh the song's called Flirting with Disaster by Molly Hatchet.
It is a rock song from 1978. I'll be honest with you, man. I am pumped to hear this song for the first time. (laughs) I'm just over the moon to hear this song. The cover art is wild. That's That's got to fly. The cover art is wild. Molly Hatchet. Man, the internet is not going to be happy. Chris no, Zen is going to be like, man, this is the the pinnacle of music. No, so we had um, <laughs> we had uh, someone made a I'm blanking on his name right now, but made a Spotify playlist. And as I'm listening to it, like in the car, I'm like, man, we did not think about how these songs would would go in a playlist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, nah, it flows nuts, man. Yeah, and, we, and this song is not going to help with, with that either. No, nah. we, we did not put any production value into the order of our songs. You know. No. But, uh, well, boys, same corner, same time next week. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Already. And we'll see you boys next week. Already. <laughs>